0: We're all gathered here today to listen to a dwarf cast by Ganymede and Titan. Start the tape, please, Holly. Awoga, this is a dwarf cast.
1: Hello, and welcome to issue ten of the Dwarf Casts magazine rack, brought to you by Ganymede and Titan. This is the latest instalment of our ongoing mission to reread, digest and dissect every single edition of the Red Dwarfs magazine, issue by issue. I'm Ian Symes, the babe-chasing space adventurer, and I'm joined as always by my biologically challenged child, Jonathan <laughs> Copps. <laughs> Hello. And my hip teenage daughter, Danny Stevenson. Hello. Oh, we're just going straight into that, are we? <laughs> <laughs> In this, the 10th edition of this magazine rack, we'll be tackling Volume 1, Issue 10, and as always, we recommend having the mag in front of you as you listen. If you don't have a physical copy, you can find a link to a PDF in the show notes on your podcast app, or at www.cademy.tv. But before we go any further, let's take a trip back in time to December 1992. The last month of the year brought much of the same news as the rest of 1992, IRA bombings and royal scandals, the latest being the separation of the then-Prince Charles and the then-alive Diana. The couple indicated that there were no immediate plans for divorce, presumably because Charles couldn't get the ring off his grotesque sausage fingers. (laughs) (laughs) In other news, George Bush sends 28,000 US troops to Somalia in a campaign dubbed Operation Restore Hope, with the aim of bringing the Somalian Civil War to an end. 31 years later, the war is still ongoing. The best-selling toy in this year's Christmas market is the Thunderbird's Tracy Island. Any parents unable to secure the sought-after playset were able to make their own version at home, thanks to Blue Peter's Anthea Turner, making her second greatest contribution to British culture, behind that time she got blown up live on TV. Bill Wyman announced that he was leaving the Rolling Stones in order to concentrate on helping his wife study for her GCSEs.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Genuinely, like, Have I Got News For You has not been this funny in, like, 20
0: years.
1: (laughs) Television debuts this month included A Touch of Frost, Peter Rabbit and Friends, and the BBC's first edition of University Challenge whilst coming to an end with The Hitman and Her, Police 5, TVAM and Allo Allo, these programmes crossing over like shops that piss in the night. <laughs> <laughs> When this issue was released on the 26th of November, 1992, the top film in the UK box office was Single White Female, somewhat of a departure for its star, Mac MacDonald. <laughs> and at number one in the music charts were Charles and Eddie with Would I Lie to You, a significantly bigger hit than the follow-up singles Mock the Week, 8 out of 10 Cats does Countdown, and of course, Space Cadets. <laughs> so, as always, let's start with the cover. <laughs> it's everyone's yeah. favourite art style. Well
3: some very strange photo editing going on. I love it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, someone's been messing with the uh, smear tool and the... Uh... <laughs> well, that's the thing, I'm not...
2: Yeah, I'm not sure
3: how it's... I mean, obviously this is based on the old actual Casablanca poster from thirteen thirty 1930s, but I'm sort of a bit... I'm a bit worried about why Craig Charles has had his cheeks... <laughs> <laughs> and his... I don't know, and why a has a massive forehead... <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, there's there's, there's, there's there's some interesting art choices in this whole magazine, but uh, yeah, Craig seems to have had his entire hair sort of enfezzed. Enfezzed. <laughs> Space monkey. I think it's an
1: added fez. Is there someone wearing a fez in the Casablanca poster? Is that where that's like that?
3: Yes, yes, there is.
1: Right, right. Ah, well, there someone is. with a ginormous
2: so forehead.
3: <laughs> um sort of no we kind of in terms of like a recreation it's not terrible it's it's quite good if you, if you if you get the joke but if you don't get the joke it's bizarre
2: I think more people are more likely to like understand this reference than half the references in Back to Earth Take that Back to Earth <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do prefer this cover to the previous Carl Flint one I think because it has more of a aim to it more of a purpose mm. to be a specific parody of something hmm uh yeah it seems more it seems less uh conspicuous yeah i liked
2: i i d i like the previous stuff because it just felt like it was it just felt pop art i know it's nothing i know it's not really like pop art but it felt pop art if you see what i mean like it just you know just yeah a familiar face in like a in in a cool kind of abstract style Yeah, so I also like this. It's definitely losing the battle for wall space.
1: I should point out on this cover that uh, the date on it is November, but it is the December edition. It's just it's got the wrong date on the cover because the previous one also had November. (laughs) So maybe this is a reference to uh, Rimmer's uh, revision timetable. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a deep, deep joke. (laughs) Yeah, also a couple of months too late, but yeah, (laughs) yeah. But yeah, I think just a cock up. The next one is January. The previous one is November. So, okay. to be fair, dating on magazines is always just a little bit like yeah. weird and unnecessary. It came out at the end of November, so technically it was released in November, but it is the December issue. It gets worse with magazines that are released every 4 weeks as opposed to monthly, which is, you know, virtually the same, but they have an extra one. And so like they're their February edition comes out at the end of January. The March edition comes out about a week before the end of February. But it, by the end of the year, yeah, it gets to a point where December comes out in October, yeah. and then the one that comes out in November is just called Christmas.
2: Yeah, it's it, it's it's odd. Like the numbering on the FIFA games or like any of the EA Sports games, <laughs> it's like yeah. this, this is the version for that year that you will be playing. Yeah. Anyway,
1: like, that it comes it, out in August the year yeah. before.
3: I think yeah. ginsburg Records did the same thing as well. They've got like the twenty twenty three edition of like ginsburg Records. Have been like stop printing in March. Yeah. <laughs> same with calendars as well. It's weird. Like All calendars
0: finishes twenty finish twenty three. Like
2: why, <laughs> why you why you yeah why are you releasing the twenty twenty four version? There's got a month left in twenty twenty
3: three.
1: Weird. So <laughs> anyway. Twenty red dwarf books to be won inside as well. In case you need it, uh, it's amazing that to. they fit the all in the magazine. To be honest. <laughs>
3: now, question: Do they? Is the the actual magazine? Does it have like the top of this picture? Because on our on our scan, we don't have.
2: The oh, camera. it's a slightly. Um, yeah,
3: it's
1: cropped. No, yeah, it's it is cropped on here. Like the Grant nailer is missing from the top of the omnibus. Oh, okay. And the words "the official" and most of "Companion" are missing from the official companion. <laughs> Lovely. But if you turn over Leaf, we can see them in full. Well, actually, looking at it now, yeah, the omnibus one is cropped at the bottom instead. <laughs> <laughs> they have the space. So between them...
2: It's a brilliant book competition. Is this a, um, the first time we've seen a refresh? Or this is the first time we've seen this refresh of the contents page?
1: Yeah, there's more stuff on it. The credits are in a little column on the side. This week's joke credit is thanks to Humphrey Bogart. Ha, huh. yes. Previous ones have had a tendency to list every single feature in the contents, and this just gives a few highlights,
2: yeah, if it did list every feature, I think it wrote yeah that's because it 's yeah. a big it's a big end isn't it this one so it's a Christopher <laughs>
3: well, the thing is that, uh, what i've noticed as well is that they seem to be sort of less about oh look we've got we've got these comic strips in this one, this issue don 't miss this it 's more of a case of the comic strips are ostensibly filler, but we know that now and they don't <laughs> need to be mentioned it's like if they're in there and you see them yeah. it's like we're not hanging a lamp you'll stumble on
2: them as you, you go want,
1: yeah
3: yeah. it's like oh this is extra stuff these are the things we want you to see but there's more stuff in there if you want to read it
1: yeah like the top three bonus, bonus things footage. that they're
3: most proud what they should
2: have put here is saying, don't worry it's not a printing error our cover feature is actually only two pages long <laughs> spoilers
1: oh yeah <laughs> well come to that Technically, this competition might be considered to comprise a quiz. So, uh, let's do it. Let's have a quiz, Danny. <laughs> Dave Holland's Space Cadet was the forerunner to Red Dwarf. On which radio show, also written by Grant Naylor, did he appear on?
3: See, in an attempt to me want to throw this in order to make it interesting, I really don't want to. So I'm going to say sort of cliche.
1: <laughs> Correct and it's winner stays on Danny uh, who directed <laughs> the very first series of Red Dwarf
3: Kylie Gwendolyn let's throw it
1: oh no I'm afraid I can't offer it to the other team so Danny wins 1-0 <laughs> uh,
2: good. it's like playing at Old Trafford <laughs> It's exciting though, like this, like the, the two brand new red dwarf books, like a novel yeah. and a beautiful behind the scenes, yeah, well written, well put together book. Like, wouldn't oh, it's glory days, isn't it? Coming out at the same time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be lovely. I feel like our equivalent of that was like the Body Snatcher collection of like just the really like exciting nerd shit. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah. Also um using I don't know, did they use um Eurostyle in the last
2: one? No, I I feel like maybe they didn't. Yeah. I think yeah, it's part it feels of it. Yeah. Definitely feels right. Yeah, it's clean. it's got a bit of a website feel to it. You know how you you know, you got your old fanzine sort of everything's obviously been hand arranged and photocopied mm. and Xeroxed all that. This feels desktop published in a more I know that it probably has been all the time, but if you know what I mean, like it just feels more sort of ordered and yeah, geometrical. Yeah.
3: Oh, there's also some jokes in the rules as well. Uh, employees and relatives there over Fleetway Editions, Penguin Books and Titan Books may not enter, especially Jane's sister. <laughs> 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 they, they've got the opposite rules for the advert pages. <laughs>
1: Uh, like, um, a full list of prize winners will be published in a future issue of the Red Dwarfs magazine, Don't Hold Your Breath. <laughs> They're acknowledging the fact that they've previously That's taken... It. That's a, a reference. forward reference, yeah. And yeah. There's something else
0: coming.
3: <laughs> but we'll get to that.
1: <laughs> we will. So let's move on to the main feature of this magazine, the cover feature. Yeah. Uh, Jake Bullet, in the case of the casting contestant. Now, last time round, you were anticipating... A follow-up to the previous Jake Bullet thing, a prose story. Yeah,
2: what an idiot! What an idiot I am! Like, <laughs> oh, the last Jake Bullet was so popular. In fact, they even mentioned that, don't they, in their thing? Do. After they say, after yeah. spectacularly well received text story, we thought we'd do something completely different.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Which
2: is, you know, fair, fair enough. But like the the whole reason why I liked the original text story. Is that it was a very well done Naked Gun slash Police Squad rip off yeah. <laughs> that was absolutely packed with wordplay and jokes, mm. and obviously you can't really do that with comics.
1: Same writer, Steve Lyons. Yeah, but yeah, very different medium.
2: Yeah, it's good. I'm I'm intrigued by the by the story, but like, why is it only two pages? Like, is it like is this art style maybe particularly like time heavy? and and it just this is all they could get done in time because but... it's strange it,
1: like slight spoilers but it obviously you know it's a multi-parter and it goes yeah. on over multiple issues i think the thing that makes this feel odd is just the fact that it was it's the cover story yeah. and it was trailed heavily in the last one and is the headline feature on the contents page and yet it's only two pages long. If this was towards the end of the magazine, yeah, if yeah. the regular comic strip, which is, you know, the normal length was at the front and this was seen as a little bonus thing, you'd think, oh great, yeah. a two page Jake Bullet bonus. But it feels odd to yeah. <laughs> to have the headline feature over with by the time you've turned two pages. Absolutely, it does, yeah. It's all about the context. But still, you've got an appearance from Bob Monkhouse. <laughs> Good point. And the chief appears to be like a a baby.
0: <laughs> I don't
2: like it's it's odd. Like it's a compelling art style, but I don't like I don't always like the the exaggerated. Uh, I don't know kind of hy- hyperrealism. Hyperrealism. I tell yeah. you
3: what. I tell you what it reminds me of. Do you remember in the um, when Terry Gilliam first started out doing. Uh, Monty Python stuff. He did like mm. he did like comics that had like just photos rather than. Right. And it was all like yeah. John Cleese and it just that that's what it kind of evokes to me is this kind of Terry Gilliam style of of like mixing like airbrushed medium with photographs and stuff. And it's just like yeah, it's a really weird mix. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Now you point it out that the shot of the game show set there's a. Woman in the background, like flipping the lever, that yeah. very much looks like a Terry Gilliam cut out of a just pin-up They all look
3: like paper cutouts. So even the city looks like a paper cutout on top of you know what I mean. It's like it yeah. Looks...
1: yeah. Where well, is the traffic light green on top and red? On I know.
3: It said, that's that's why I thought it was quite <laughs> funny. The traffic lights work. I was like, yeah, barely. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we it's should part of the authoritarian thing of just like you know you, you're not meant to know what you're supposed to do, so they can fuck you for traffic and Huh, yeah, yeah cause it's a fascist state. because it? it's still the same, like form on a friend scheme, that yeah. kind
2: of thing. Truncheon for change.
1: <laughs> I think the cityscape in the first panel. I think some of the buildings are circuit boards.
3: I think they are. Yeah, because uh, yeah.
1: we've had that before with Carl Flynn of like background details being made up of objects taken yeah. out of context. It's nice.
3: I'd like to know how this kind of stuff was done, actually, especially this kind of art style. It's a very specific look. Yeah. It's like you're using the, the, fa- the fact that print is kind of like they've kind of intentionally sort of faded the print in order to get a style. Mm.
1: Then they've coloured it. Yeah. Like a technical type thing.
3: Yeah, that's great.
1: Um, we should recap the story. Yes. Such as it is thus far.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what little there
1: is. Uh, which is that Jake Bullet is uh Uh, Well, people, other cops are watching a TV quiz show on Jake Bullitt's chest monitor. Which is Uh, now over his cock. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) for the purposes purposes of a visual keg. Uh, They're watching 20 million What's My Line, which is a big TV quiz show where a man wins and they say, oh, come back tomorrow for the chance to double your money. And then Jake gets called into the chief's office to inform him that that show was pre-recorded and the contestant is now dead. I want you to find his killers. The end. Yeah, there's so a little bit setting of, up the story.
2: There's a little bit of mystery of just like no one could have known the answer to that question because the 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 twist here is that if they get it wrong, then they get killed via yeah. electric chair, basically. Um, so you've got a bit of a running man sort of feel to it. Um, yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, where, where's the, the, the there's a yeah, Melissa Thorthorpe is the answer. He said nobody could know that nobody. So I wonder if uh, I wonder if that's a little clue for the future,
1: um, <laughs> especially with Melissa Thorthorpe. <laughs> Who's she? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I want to know what happens. It's a shame that you know, <laughs> I have to wait. Well, you'll find see. out. A little bit more in a month's time, yes, <laughs> maybe. I think that's covered. Yeah. Um, it is. seems is odd to finish the headline <laughs> feature so briefly, but it is such a brief feature. I do. Uh, I will say what, like, what,
2: maybe my my favorite panel is. Is the one where the cop is saying nobody knows that in the foreground and then in the mid ground you've just got quite and then in the background you've got the chief. Like <laughs> a, like a little golem just kinda of poking his head round <laughs> Bullet his on the giant, double.
1: His giant baby head. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's very odd, very odd.
3: I wonder if that is actually Cal Flynn's face. <laughs> Which
2: one? <laughs> the, the chief. The, the chief.
1: Yeah. It might be like self, yeah,
2: self, in, self insertion. Yeah.
1: Not now; it's too early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, just a little casual interview with Linwood Boomer about all of the things Red Dwarf. You were okay, Boomer.
3: <laughs> so it's interesting this because this obviously was written before yeah. the the whole thing was shelved.
2: It, it feels so. like it could have been like. A bit of a like. I guess you don't do a press junket for a pilot, but like it feels like they were maybe in like bigging up mode of. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll do an interview because the purpose is to to talk it's it up. Past- I actually thought it yeah. would be a post-mortem. Yeah, I thought
3: it was yeah. as well, but it seems like it's written sort of with with past tense. Yes. Yeah. I guess
1: less likely to get a tell-all interview with Linwood Boomer after it's failed yep. at this time because obviously Linwood Boomer is. Moving on to other things in his As career. As is the nature probably, of American TV, yeah. like, he would have just been like, yeah. ah, that's a shame. Oh, well.
2: Um, yeah. Oh, actually, I think I have this idea for one of the best comedies ever.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he wasn't even involved in the second pilot, which I always thought yeah. he was, but mm. it turns out he wasn't. He was, he'd already left at yeah. that
1: point. They basically, Robin Doug sacked him off.
2: Yeah, it's Robin Doug and a camcorder.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, just to note that this interview is by Joe Nazaro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. First, Smagazine credit for Joe Nazaro, who later went on to write the making of book, the series six focused one, yeah. and yeah, it's the gang is all in place now. Yeah, <laughs> the main Smagazine creative team. Obviously, we started with Haworth and Lyons. Uh, Jane Killick joined a few weeks later. We had our first Nigel Kitching in the last issue, and now Joe Nazaro is alongside doing these extra sort of real life. Uh, journalism bits the
3: pentefector is complete it's a good it's a good gang isn't it
1: yeah it's I, a good gang yeah joe nazaro i credit with my career basically because reading the making of red dwarf book as an impressionable child it was one of the reasons why i wanted to go and work in telly because it, it seemed so exotic and exciting yeah that's cool so thanks for that
3: so obviously, we know what happened to this, but I just wondered if there's anything in there that's particularly. Not juicy because it's just like, but it's, well, it is interesting sort of seeing the, the thought process of why they thought Whitdorf would be a good fit. For
2: reading him. between the lines, it doesn't sound like he thought much of Chris or Craig or Danny <laughs> because <laughs> he, he just says, Of course, you had to cast Robert. I mean, obviously, you had to cast just the one member of the cast rather than recasting them all. It's very odd that it was obvious that you had to cast Robert. I, like, was he the big star at the time? Like, is is this how it was? <laughs> I know? think
3: part of that is the fact that he has a pseudo-American accent and would translate right, yeah, better yeah. to an American audience, do you know what mm-hmm. I mean?
1: And also if you're in promotional mode and talking about how amazing the new version is you probably don't want to linger on how good the the cast that aren't in this version <laughs> are. That's true, we really because fucked because we do up know that getting they... Chris. <laughs> well they tried to get Chris, yeah, we did, know yeah. that that yeah. is the case, so yeah. if He'd have accepted that. He'd have probably been talking about it. obviously you've got to cast Chris, no one else can play Rimmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and he's which is true. Right. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Talking about promotional mode,
2: I've pulled out an interesting quote here it's probably the most densely packed half hour that anyone has ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Not I have ever done. Not NBC have ever done. <laughs> Anyone, no one has written a more densely packed half hour. Not even Faulty Towers. You might think Faulty Towers <laughs> would be more densely packed. No,
1: no, it's Red Dwarf. You. The thing is, it it that's not a benefit of the final product. That no. <laughs> there's so much to fit into twenty two minutes uh, yeah. in reality, uh, considering that. As a result, you have absolutely no character whatsoever for Rimmer, and no relationship between Rimmer and Lister because you've tried to pack so much well, into. 22 you've minutes. taken
2: some of what should have been Rimmer's lines and put them with Munson, and like, you yeah, know, you know, further, further complicated things.
3: It's a grand old mess, isn't
1: it? Mm. Yeah. Anything else on Linwood? I think just
2: in general, like the fact that they had an interview with Linwood Boomer to me is impressive. Like, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Anyone to talk to him, I mean I guess this is Joe Desarro like you know investigative journalist like mode, like he, he's obviously he's good at pulling at the strings that other people haven't, and it's just a cool thing, even if it is kind of a puff piece, really, that you know probably it was the interview was done with the hope that uh, when it's commissioned, we'll have like you know this is how it all started, <laughs> but unfortunately yeah. it had to be topped and tailed with, obviously it was shit and it was never made. But here's the interview that we
1: had. <laughs> and it's just cool that they had that interview, <coughs> to be honest.
3: I get the impression he's American, John Tower.
1: Right? I don't know. Based in New Jersey and London.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, he, he be, he'll be one of these half American, half British types, I think. <laughs> uh, <spot>. Traitors. <laughs> but like Louis Theroux, like, who's got one American parent. One New British. Jersey slash London based. Okay. Yeah.
3: I just got the feeling this guy was America. I don't know what made me think that. Just, but it's an like,
2: American surname, isn't it? I, would like, feels I would, like. I would it. think that. Yeah, it's either a fake surname or an American surname. Sort of, <laughs> sort of
3: in New York Italian kind of thing. But I was thinking with the um, New Jersey, the, fact that connect, the connection with uh, Linwood Boomer, but also just the fact that I don't know. It just felt like as if like, access yeah, to America point. was a bit of. Yeah,
1: yeah, he had easy the to access, was, was able to go
2: and do that maybe that was his way in It was just like hey I, I'm a Red Dwarf fan I live in New Jersey uh, I, I could but I could probably Linwood
1: get... Linwood Boomer lives in Hollywood or at least LA and yeah. like you might as well be in fucking London if you're in New Jersey compared to LA yeah that's true it's like a four hour flight isn't it <laughs> but he got it would have been cheaper for him to phone yeah they did uh, have telephones uh, Boomer. yeah <laughs> yeah It'd been cheaper for him to do it than to do it from London. I'd love to talk to Joe. We may be able
0: to.
2: Yeah, I mean, why not? Like, he's he's a really interesting person. Let's put that one on the on the back burner. Right. Next. So speaking of photo editing, like this banner image, what, of Hudson Ten, like distressed and like almost video artifacty. It's
1: really cool. I really yeah, like I it. quite like it. <laughs> yeah, with the big. I would imagine that that effect was achieved by uh, taking a screen grab of a VHS. Yeah, paused.
2: yeah, literally the affairs, <laughs> <laughs> like Steve VHS. Lyons' affairs.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: but it's almost like it looks like he's he's like an alien, like he's got two little light beady eyes. It's
1: it's mm. it's it's just really <laughs> cool. Yeah, um, moody. It looks like um, Abe. From Abe's Odyssey. Abe, <laughs> hey, but
2: but it looks like he's also carrying a severed head. <laughs> Don't think Abe ever did that.
1: The feature is Everybody Needs Good Androids. yeah, And it's a, a robotic review by Steve Lyons, or Steve TX4B Lyons. And it's sort of in-universe mm-hmm. in that it's set from the perspective of the future, where mechanoids exist. But... It doesn't fall into the same traps, in my opinion, as some of the previous in-universe pieces. Yeah. By trying to shovel in jokes, it's a factual and thorough recap of all the androids and mechanoids etc. Yeah. In the show up to this point, without trying to add unwieldy comedy to it. Yeah, I think absolutely. as
3: well, it's the, the sort of the the almost the sort of canon creating timeline of it as well, like. Mm the reason why this exists, this exists this exists is kind of interesting mm-hmm.
2: yeah. yeah, 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 stitching together like a timeline, but like clearly, like uh, there are some leaps but like it's taking bits of information from the books, from the show and kind of piecing it together yeah. and having a rough timeline the only thing I'd really complain about this because I, I really enjoyed watching this it zips along, it's a very it, you know when, when Howarth and Lyons are in good flow, like the stuff they mm. write is, it flows really well, it's really easy to read the only the only thing I'd complain about is that he doesn't he doesn't keep up the in universe factual thing because right at the end he pulls it back and talks about Crichton like in a way that you know the in universe writer would never be able to know about Crichton yeah um, that's, true. that's true so that's a that's a shame almost because it, it, it's a bit like you know mixing your tenses in it it just it's like mm. it's not a big problem, but like when you're reading it it kind of just jars you for a moment but other than that, yeah,
1: it's really cool, yeah. So it's interesting to read it now because there are things from later on that contradict some of the leaps that he makes, but not in a criticism yeah. way because obviously he couldn't anticipate that they'd talk about the series 3000 Mechanoid you know, a year and a half later. Especially considering that at the time, as we've discussed a lot, it wasn't a given that a Red Dwarf fan would have seen every Red Dwarf episode. Mm. And if they had, they might have only seen it once or you know, it wasn't like now where everyone who is interested enough in Red Dwarf to buy a magazine knows these episodes like the back of their hand at the time. Yeah. You could you could care enough to spend pound fifty once a month yeah. without having been able to see everything. I mean,
2: there just wasn't enough. There hadn't been enough physical time that had existed between Red Dwarf starting and this point for anyone really to be at a point where they were a super fan of everything unless they were very, very lucky and... Recorded off airs of series. One. Yeah, they were prescient. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: which I did used to do back in the day. I used to before on demand things. You would take a punt and record the first episode of a series yep. in case it like anticipating that you'd like it. I did that with TLC. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is with TLC, no scrubs. <laughs> well, it was
2: digital, <laughs> so you could scrub quite easily. <laughs> I recorded it on because I got a t- I got a digital TV card for my PC, and uh, so I was like. I uh, I recorded the Quandahorn remake with David Tennant, the one that has a ginormous banner. <laughs> the it. Quandahorn remake. Quandahorn remake. Fucking hell. Quite <laughs> a mass. Quite a mass remake, um, which has the big banner saying "Turn over to BBC News now" because John Paul Two had just died.
1: Uh, Jean-Paul. Ah,
2: John Paul. Ah, Jean Paul. Yeah, so I've that. So I've got that <laughs> somewhere of like you know that's a nice little time capsule. But yeah, like you'll yeah. see. So, so, and I was like, oh, I'll record. Uh, I don't know. It's that early two thousands kind of like awkward BBC comedy yeah.
1: era. I had an excellent tape, um, which I recorded long play. Which you know, looking back, I wouldn't do, but times were tough. I recorded long play the first series of The League of Gentlemen as it went out, and Hippies Ooh. as it went out, and that was a lovely one-tripper yeah, afternoon. Fuck. Yeah, six hours alternating episodes between two very good comedies.
2: Well, it looks like Steve Lyons recorded all of his Red Dwarf affairs on long play, and then. And then, and then put them near the elephant's foot in Chernobyl for a, a, a while, and that's how he gets the
1: effect. I would imagine uh, it's actually Elita Fell who did that. Elita Fell is credited next to the screen grabs on the opposite page of Hudson and Torkey. Well, I hope she was so all it's Elita right. Fell's VHS. <laughs>
2: But yeah, yeah. I like the assumptions that are made. Like, Wax Droids came before Series 4000s. Like, that that's almost... Because when when it was leading into that ab- about the Wax Droids, I thought, oh, he's about to talk about the Series 3000s. Forgetting, of course, that Series yeah. 3000 happened yet. <laughs> but then it was, uh, oh, no, Wax Droids. And they were super, like, they they went to, They went. were over-engineered and it turned out to be not cost-effective. So out
1: of that came the 4000s. The, the yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, a decent guess at what the canon actually turned out to be (laughs) it is yeah
2: yeah yeah going too far one way and then pairing it back which is probably what you know we'll end up doing with
1: AI or something
2: it's like finding the level you know but interesting that they use Crichton as well like series four thousands are all Crichtons yeah
1: yeah that Crichton is like a model name yeah because yeah it's the Hudson 10 it, uh, that that's sense. the model name and we we refer to the one that arrived on Red Dwarf as Hudson yeah. but there are millions of Hudsons there must be millions of Grants
3: it's like the OS of, of, of that series was the, it's the yeah, Crichton yeah. series yeah. two thousand. but it's then like...
2: weirdly you get Able later on but then I think series 7 contradicting what came Yeah,
1: real life Android <laughs> used to name it's versions after sweets and whatever but, yeah, the canon now would suggest that that's not the case because we've met Abel and yeah. we've met Butler, but yeah, this is the assumption at the time yeah I mean, you may as well
2: just treat it as two separate canon. Like, like Doug Dwarf is almost a separate canon to be honest because he you know rightly kind of takes takes some liberties with the continuity just to get us you know <clears throat> a story working yeah. so it's interesting at the time that yeah that this this does seem to be the the case, although then you have Camille. Oh, no, you don't have Camille, do you? You oh, don't have Camille. Ah, but she was
1: realistic <laughs> enough for Crichton to believe that she existed. And the, it was called Camille. Well, maybe the female ones are called Camille, and the male ones okay, are called right, Crichton. Okay, right, right, okay.
2: And then 2X4B, like the middle names are the, what, the, are the individual unit identifiers. The serial numbers. Yeah, serial yeah. numbers, yeah. It's just Crichton with his middle name filed off.
1: He's <laughs> got a, the top half of a 2X4B <laughs> and the bottom half of a <laughs> <laughs> It's a death trap. Sure, you could talk him into exploding. <laughs> <laughs> I found it interesting the prediction. Of course, twentieth century scientists had developed robots of a kind, but it wasn't until way past the year two thousand that artificial intelligence as we know it was truly created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How prescient. Yeah, very strange. It wasn't until about twenty years past the year two thousand. <laughs>
2: well, I mean, we don't really have artificial intelligence now, we just have computers that are good at putting sentences together, you know. Yeah. You see what I mean? Like, the, the term AI is bandied about quite a lot.
1: <laughs> well, it seems now that anything that a computer does is AI. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Because yeah. It, it has to be, yeah, you have to have these simplistic terms in order for it to be yeah. like communicated effectively, I guess.
1: And also, yeah, we kind of touched upon it, but one of the big head cannons uh, here was, you know, page cannons. Uh, let's call them. <laughs> is that the re- uh, the reason that a lot of these droids failed or were faulty or were imperfect was because of, like with Torquay they packed too much into it. Yeah, uh, they made it too intelligent, and there wasn't. Uh, and with the the wax droids, there was so much stuff in there physically that there wasn't the space <laughs> to to fit the hardware that gave them personalities or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's cool.
2: I, mean, I guess there's the there's the story line. Or there's, there's the detail Sorry, in the books about Torque being cheap, so they they skimped on the Silicon Heaven protocol. Yeah, the, the chip that you know stores the Silicon Heaven logic. It's yeah.
1: Yeah, the only thing where it falls down a bit is that he doesn't really give a reason why Simulants weren't programmed like MechaNoids. Yeah. Um, is like in order for them to be as well in order for them to be as human as possible the simulants should be given none of the inhibitions and beliefs that have kept their mechanoid counterparts so well for so long that's just a really stupid idea in universe yeah, it,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do lots because of stupid things in the name of science i don't
1: think it may i don't think it says specifically here that simulants were designed for war oh, and yeah, i don't well, I, when i think about it i don't know whether that's just Head cannon, or what if well, it's, it's stated in the series? Well, it is, it designed is for war. but
3: it was in series six, so it was oh, go. Yet. <laughs> I thought,
2: um, I thought there was a mention in the books about the simulants being bred for, but it might have been in backwards. Mm. I don't know for sure. Agonoids.
1: it's always nice to see a picture of Nicholas Bull's face,
0: yes. <laughs>
2: amazing um, amazing costume look at the look yeah, light. So the headpiece. it's almost like cracked sand in a desert it's like it's yeah. so yeah. good
3: like metal that's just 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 keeping itself together yeah
2: fantastic
3: the inquisitor's mask is just like when you, you don't realise it's kind of lots of like like as if he's absorbed souls They've got skulls on. Are we the iconic. baddies? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know you know the skull helmets we have that have other skulls in them? It's a <laughs> great design. Am I Crichton?
1: I was about to say there's no mention in here of Crichton later surviving to the end of time and becoming the Inquisitor. Going mad. <laughs>
3: I mean that's a good piece of that's a good piece of canon, isn't it? That Crichton's the one that ends up being the one.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 the old time classic uh, fanfic.
3: Yeah, because he's broken yeah. his programming, so yeah, it's like he just he just goes one step further.
2: Link in the show notes. <laughs> the oh, was that a thing? Yeah, the, the last temptation of Crichton. The last yeah. temptation of Crichton. Yeah, oh fuck! It oh, was no It idea. was one of those um, fanfics that was um, it was championed by Seb when he when he discovered it.
0: Oh.
2: Um, <laughs> and it is it is good. It, it it's almost better as a. As an elevator pitch, than than it is as a story. Mm. But then
1: that's you know that's fanfic for you.
0: That's
1: cool. Speaking of Android-based fanfiction, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> once we finish the written piece, we move on to the latest installment of Android. I'll tell you what it is because this is a lot more coherent as a yeah. set of panels.
2: However, <clears> I still <throat> did like I I still felt myself going cross-eyed, and I think I know why now. It's it's the the art style is so busy that you. It doesn't draw your eye properly. Like you have to really, yeah, you have to really focus on like what's going on in this panel. Yeah. Um, And I think that that combined with the jumping about nature of the previous ones, I I really struggled with. But at least I know exactly what's going
1: on in this one. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is the best one so far. Yeah. Because it's it's self-contained as a story and it makes sense from start to finish, standalone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But I don't know. It's not very. Oh, like, I, I
1: don't know. I don't know. I
3: mean, it's robots wanking in it,
2: robots wanking, and then when like robots with like weirdly realistic human feet. <laughs> and, and well, I guess that this is the point, isn't it? Androids is like it's mentioned in the articles that the TV show Androids had mechanoids doing all sorts of things that their real life counterparts, you know, wouldn't, or yeah. Couldn't.
3: It reminds me of uh, all my circuits. <laughs> it's like they're they're programmed to be actors, but they they might as well be do just actually just doing the thing that they're programmed to do. <laughs> yeah, I
2: think all my circuits is a, a logical progression of this. Yeah, you know, just one of a long list of definitely red dwarf inspired things. I think or like, it just feels <laughs> like it is. Be nice, it? there's no way that group of nerds, among them, there isn't a red dwarf fan in there. So Gary's got some sort of
1: robo-cancer. and shout out to Maplins. Yeah, no shout out with to us.
3: Maplins. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: And so we move on to the making of Red Dwarf, the talking book. Yeah. This is cool. This is cool. Yeah.
2: This this is a bit of a time capsule as well because audiobooks are obviously like still a bit weird, or like that hmm. they're not quite like. The massive thing that they are now, yeah, everyone knows you know what an audiobook is, and like but but this is almost like, yeah, I like it's weird, uh, why didn't they ask the other guys, you know, why am I just the one reading this, why is this not a radio <laughs> show,
1: you know <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Chris saying i've never, I've never been asked to do one before, but I thought, why not, it's an interesting yeah. different thing,
2: when one of the preeminent vo- voice artists of the time hasn't been asked to do an audio book, you know that audiobooks aren't really a thing. <laughs> at yeah. the time
1: I remember that for a while they were seen as being something like exclusively for visually impaired people yeah like the only reason you'd have an audiobook is if you couldn't read a, a standard book yeah rather than being something that anyone might want to listen to just as a piece of entertainment in its own right
3: something you'd borrow from a library not something you'd go up to a shop and buy oh yeah I was going to yeah. say yeah, visually
2: impaired but also rich visually impaired <laughs> people. Because <laughs> <laughs> the amount of tapes... I mean, this, the, the um, Infinity is not a big book, and it was, what is it,
1: six tapes? Six tapes, yeah. yeah. yeah but really I, big I big distinctly book. remember um, saving up vouchers to get the Infinity talking book unabridged from Waterstones in Solihull, because it was about 30 quid. Which, you know, at the time that's uh, alright. Actually, yeah. I, that's yeah, not bad, is it? Eight yeah. hours of talking is not a bad rate. Yeah, I mean, a big finish audio today will cost you twenty quid for a hour-long thing. Yeah. Um. Oh, obviously, cow. there's a you know, different scales of <laughs> well, yeah, production and number of actors and people that need to be compensated. Even but so that's steep. Even so, yeah. But as a as a kid, I couldn't just drop thirty quid on a set of tapes. That's a Christmas present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, this is very much a time capsule because it's also talking about an analogue recording process and the producer winding the tape back if Chris stumbles, just oh. winding the tape back and going over it, which gives me minor... Heart I was going to say, how <laughs> s- how stressed does that make you? Like, he's like, oh, if he has to retake, just just rewind
2: the tape and fucking record <laughs> it. And tape he says, oh, that. I've already <laughs> taped over that bit, so you have to start from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck.
0: <laughs>
2: oh god it makes yeah. me like I, d- I don't i don't do that thing for for a living and that stressed me out
1: <laughs> every time i stumble over the introduction of these dwarf casts which is oh never mind yeah. let's just delete that Danny's section of the recording it's fine <laughs> the other thing that this gives us is a really granular dissection of this section of the audiobook and the conversations that Chris and the producer were having and things like, should it be myriad tiny rainbows or myriad of tiny rainbows? Yes. And, like, (laughs) discussing the grammar and, like, noticing mistakes that Grant Naylor made but wanting to be faithful and so keeping the bad grammar in. The best example of which is, although Chris had assumed that Watashi is Japanese, Colin thinks it's a pun on what a shit. (laughs) Colin's insane Colin? (laughs) What the fuck is Colin on about?
3: Now I like to think that Colin here Is actually Colin from British Empire
1: (laughs) But but, Coked up (laughs) Or uh, Colin Hunt
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm an alien There aren't any aliens in this dickhead
1: (laughs) Piss off Colin
3: yeah, they have to go find someone who's Japanese, like a Japanese expert. Yeah. And say, what are they talking about? All right, okay. Graham.
1: Like Graham goes off I like the, the engineer. they kind not of have
3: spoken to like Rob or Doug about this. It seems like yeah. <laughs> seems ideally, the, you'd have
1: them on the end of a line, but impractical. Also,
2: like I, I've got a feeling that if if Colin wasn't there, this wouldn't even be a question. It's like oh, clearly Watashi yeah. is you know like one person. The joke is clear. Thenses. The joke is very clear. <laughs> really good photos throughout this
1: yeah it's like I I can't decide what's best reading the article or just looking at the photos yeah. because what I like about it is that it's clearly the photos are by Jane Killick as is the article itself so it's she went along and thought oh, I need to get a few snaps to illustrate this and so between her and Chris, they were just like, "Oh shit! How can we illustrate a man sitting <laughs> at a desk reading?" Yeah. <laughs> and so they put dude loads of different poses. He's well into of Chris it. Chris pretending he? to pretending to be thinking and <laughs> posing with his two sets of headphones and pretending to read the book. Nevertheless, I should. Have told. <laughs> he is a very handsome young man. I was he? gonna say, sexy bastard. I would. I'd go with Chris, but I'd be thinking of the globalists. <laughs> it's just great they like say to have this documented and I really wish that there was this level of detail about every single page in the book every <laughs> single moment of the audiobook if every little question that Chris had about the text I want that documented
3: I wonder whether because obviously they have to because they I don't, know, I don't know I just realized there's actually something about oh well, I was about the fact that there's outtakes as well mm yeah, but they, they,
2: I mean, the ones that they haven't recorded over. <laughs> yes, yeah.
3: so basically, Graham starts recording everything on cassette, including the cock-ups, so Chris can, t- Chris can take them home and check how things are going. Graham plays back a sample from the master recording on reel-to-reel tape, so they do have a basic recording that they then, it's a bit rough and ready, right. and then they record that to reel-to-reel, so that's yeah, done. Yeah, so too. they have
2: their, off, their offline, like maybe, maybe they use that for the offline edit. <laughs> I don't well, know. The, yeah, yeah, they just do they
3: have like, a, they have like yeah. a, a draft version that is like that day's recording. They don't change that. Are they're trying to keep as much tape as they can and then when they need to mm. transfer it then transfer it over and then do the hard edit that way
2: yeah. I wonder how often on a reel to reel you can record over the same bit before it starts to noticeably degrade
3: I think it's the, it's the read head more than the record head I think that's got the problems it's, it's the tape you're pulling from that gets worn down
2: oh right okay
3: Record is still touching the tape I suppose I suppose there is like a like
2: it just goes back to the like every time they talk about like generations like uh, the reason why series 3 looks a bit rough yeah. is because it's like there was a lot of editing and every fucking New version is a generation and you're losing qualities like that. I, just that sort of stress just sounds so unnecessary, but it was necessary because of tech, you
1: know, because you, it's a physical yeah. thing rather than just some ones and zeros. Yeah, you do kind of any thing. sort
3: of photochemical process with something that's two generations down, the effect isn't going to work because you've got too much noise in, in the signal. Yeah. Thank fuck we don't have to do it. Yes. anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
1: thank God for NLEs, <laughs> Windows 95. Yep, right. Next Holograms. Polygrams. Funny little layout of a page and a third. Yeah. No, half a page and then a third of the page of letters. <laughs> half a page of an advert and two thirds of a page of news.
2: I think they're starting to mask the fact that holograms is, is having bit is is having a big cut, basically. Like it's much mm. shorter and snappier than it has been. Yeah. Presumably that's just because it can be a bit of a slog to get through a lock. But maybe they were getting fewer letters, I don't know.
1: I would assume, and this is all just guesswork, but in the early days it was handy padding to, you know, you get sent a load of letters, and depending on how much space you needed to fill, that's the number of letters you'd print. Because you look at Better Than Life, for example, which is obviously a fan-made thing, but you could always tell (laughs) a slow news month or a slow features month where the post pod would be 10 pages long. Whereas if it was you know straight after a series and there was episode reviews and loads of other features in there, then the letters page would be three or four pages. If, you, if you're in a certain
2: era of uh, Better Than Life, they made up a lot of letters.
0: <laughs>
1: but yeah, what have we here? What do we the have, first, have the, we here? The first one is someone asking about the results of the video competition from issue two. <laughs> And then we'll we'll print a list of winners next issue. We're still
3: waiting as well, don't we, guys? We the, the winners have definitely got their, Got their shit, definitely. My question is where the fuck's caption competition?
1: Yeah, the caption yeah. competition. <laughs> maybe we'll get it. Maybe it at some point. There's the Inquisitor competition as well. Do you remember that one? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. You are the Inquisitor. Oh, now
2: yeah. I, I have
3: a feeling that feels like that's going to be next issue from the from the thing, but we'll get there.
2: Do we do uh, we have to close that off then? Like we, we almost need to like you need to spoil it to say okay, yeah, this gets lost. We need to. Close I can't
1: ourselves. remember, and I don't want to spoil myself. So okay. by <laughs> by the time we get to volume two, yeah, I like nine, the fact
2: that right at the end we just do everything. We, we have a mop we, up episode <laughs> where we're just like, <laughs> yeah. what were all of the things that they left hanging, and let's close it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: We'll have a bonus episode of this magazine that doesn't exist.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the lost competitions. Yeah, we have got um, E Smegpot Mosedale from Warsaw. Just, just basically, just restating jokes from the last issue about.
1: Yeah, joining in. Yeah, joining in. Yeah. <laughs> to be kind, the worst of all. I was trying to convince Pavarotti that all the words he sang were slightly Sinhalese. I was gonna,
2: I was gonna say like, like Mosedale. It's, it's such a,
1: it's such a. <laughs> e hey, Mosedale from Warsaw. I'm allowed to do that, yeah. Well, um, I'm not me. allowed, but I'll still do it. <laughs> uh, a couple of, yeah. There's only five letters. <laughs> We've already talked about two of them. Yeah. So we might you as well just say. go. Yeah, do the full. Uh, the next one is praise, nice little letter. The next one is a query about future echoes about why Rimmer suddenly has a different hairstyle. Yeah. Oh yeah. In one of the things, and it's just a really interesting thing. Is of course if you haven't seen the episode. And got, you know, in in a half hour episode, that's a running gag that Holly changes Rimmer's hair. But yeah. in the comic strip, it was four issues ago. Yeah. Like, yeah, so looks why looks would you, like, you yeah. Me- yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, how do you not yeah. get that? Because it's set up with a beehive.
1: <laughs> yeah, but four issues ago, it was set up with a beehive. Oh, right. Okay, fair enough. Oh right, right, right. Of course, of course. You get, you'd easily get it from the episode. See, it's interesting because
3: he says, "If I were you, I'd create another large and painful boil on his neck." So it's like that's what he does in the book. So you must know why they're doing that. Mm. It's weird.
1: Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Jim Swallow asks, "Are you going to do comic adaptations of the whole series?" Um, and they've said no. No. Yeah. Uh, basically, so that answers that. And yeah. um Yeah. Most people preferred the brand new and original stories, so that's what we're doing. Yeah. Very um,
3: uh, diplomatic way of saying
1: no, we're not. <laughs> well, they yeah. did
3: mention yeah. about the, the grainers thing, saying that like, yeah. that's what it was like original plans, and we can do that, so we'll do, we did it. Yeah.
1: It's funny, yeah, we're it's right, it's right, and the TV show is wrong. <laughs> funny so, how that pays true. off in 2020.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> so obviously, we have the, an advert for
1: infinity yeah half advert half editorial because it is specifically for smegazine readers there's a special offer for smegazine readers yeah
3: 19.99 for for that that's not
1: bad is yeah it? yeah that you is should have you should have caught, caught it at the beginning including right? pmp that's a steal
3: yeah. man you can't get that on ebay for that now i was gonna say <laughs> no, yeah
2: yeah were you were <laughs> you ripped the... off for
1: 30 quid because the normal retail is 25.99 <laughs> <laughs> it was a few years later and the memory plays trick, <laughs> But yeah, I recently bought the Better Than Life Unabridged off eBay and that was 30-odd quid, I think. Fucking hell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You will also hear six variations of the Red Dwarf theme tune. What? Specially re-recorded <laughs> by Howard Goodall. What?
3: Is that just... Hang on. I, Is I that think just one of it on, each, on each tape?
1: <laughs> well, There's like... Oh. Start... Start of each tape and end of each tape has a full length one at the end of each side and the start of each side has one. Are so they different edits then? then. I maybe, don't yeah. yeah, maybe they're yeah, slightly different to each other. There's right. six versions across the whole that's thing. how
3: of... good Olka did a secret message in all of these. Is that
1: what Red you mean? Off. <laughs> Well, what I found interesting was the confirmation that, that was re recorded by Howard Goodall and not because yeah. it is clearly a re recorded version of the theme tune, but yeah. the fact that Goodall was involved. I thought nice it was like
3: me. a cheap shit mini version, but that's just
1: yeah, me.
2: <laughs> both things could be true. He could have been like, it. Oh, let's do yeah. it. Yeah, really. <laughs> Howard,
1: they got Howard to do it, but didn't give him any money to do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah,
3: so that's him sort of using his oh, okay. Well, I feel bad about that. If that,
1: if that, is that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you will hear more about how Goodall's um, tech set up oh, yeah. later on. Mm, yeah,
2: we'll expect a full report, Danny, on the shit that he uses.
1: <laughs> but in the meantime, before we move on to news from Dwarf, this is the time where we do our letters pages as well. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> 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 it's, a good job. it's a good job you host this and, like, arrange everything. Cause... Uh, so yes, these are the comments that have been left over at G&T about the previous magazine, wreck. So it's all talking about things that we covered ages ago, mm. so <laughs> good luck remembering the context of these. Go back and re-listen to the whole episode first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go on then,
3: I'll math. do
1: that. <laughs> uh, Clem says, Clem's one is about the Robin Doug interview from the last uh, issue, talking about Red Dwarf USA. Oh, yeah. I'm wondering whether Doug misremembered the Mars bar Milky Way confusion, or perhaps just simplified it for the case of a good anecdote. Yeah. If I recall correctly, they do indeed have a chocolate bar in the States called a Milky Way, which is the same as a UK Mars bar. Yeah. The Nougat is a little different, but apart from that, it's the same. But the closest thing they've got to a UK Milky Way is the Three Musketeers.
3: Three Musketeers, yeah. That's the, that's the one that's the. Yeah. And everyone knows so that Doug's now because the whole of Oxford Street
1: um, is
3: American candy <laughs> yeah. shops. I thought they were off t shirt shops.
1: First one, then the other, And vape shops, three-in-one, money laundering opportunities. (laughs) Warbadog says, I'll be the pedant to point out that Nigel Kitching is mainly known for his uh, writing on Sonic the comic, not drawing. He drew the odd Sonic story, but mainly just did his own decap attack strip. Ah. My first magazine opened with one of his stories. It was comforting.
0: Ah, Nice. Yep, yep.
1: So he writes... And draws first magazine, but mostly writes for Sonic the Comic. Oh, okay. And speaking of comic book artists that we don't know as much about as our readers, despite the fact (laughs) that we are the ones doing the podcast, Pody says, The artist on the second comic, which is In Living Memory, part two, which is coming up later, is the legendary Ron Smith, famous for drawing Judge Dredd in 2000 AD in The Daily Star. Yes, you read that correctly. He was known for using an alarm clock to ensure that his comics work paid a decent hourly wage working only until the alarm sounded, then tossing that page aside to start the next one, with which the process would be repeated. That's fantastic. <laughs> this anecdote is often shared with a mixture of horror and awe in modern-day comic artist circles. <laughs> Sadly, we rushed run in 2019 at the grand old age of 90. Oh. Hi, Scooby-Doo. We one.
2: Ron. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a fantastic story. Also, it like the fact that he's Judge artist does explain the buff Squidward vibes. I think yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, what if he hadn't finished?
3: Like, it just sound, sound like maybe that's important
0: slightly.
2: Like,
3: I mean, this man is my hero. This man is is who I aspire to be. <laughs> yeah. If not, only not this is anti Dan, isn't it? Percent. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if only we could be so regimented with the creative process. Jesus, no But yeah, maybe he like he knows. Oh, I've got ten minutes to go on this. I better. Yeah, work, I'll finish like it adapts, up. Yeah. adapts as he goes, and like, oh, I don't have time to do X set piece that I was going to do in the last panel, so I'll just do a simplified version. Yeah. Because yeah. he's
3: getting paid X amount to do it, so yeah, he's got he's to keep paid it. Per and, page. And, and, and that's yeah. it. It's like, and that is the right way to be doing it, ostensibly. Absolutely. Like, even though every fibre of my being disagrees. But.
2: I bet you he was probably more similar to you than you realise. This This sounds like. Um, um, something having to, to keep, him of, check. Yeah, keep him yeah. in check yeah, keeping
1: if, him in if, check if he was 19, 2019 he wasn't like a young up and coming person at the time that he did this, so yeah, this must come at the end of a process of figuring out that he was spending hours and hours and hours doing one panel. Oh, yeah, just become very, very good. This way. The, like compartmentalizing
3: yeah. his time as well. Like knowing that that is the amount of time I should be spending on that, and that will be that will be good enough, and therefore I can move on. It's like and having, having, and having the technical
2: skill to be able to pull off exactly an mm. audacious working practice yeah.
3: like such as that, which is yeah. really not easy at all. Not easy at all.
1: Similarly, there was there's a website that you put in your hourly wage if you have one and if not your salary and the amount of hours you work per day and then you start the timer when you go for a shit and stop it when you come back and it tells you how much you earned during your shit <laughs> I, my record is £20
3: is that in weight was or what's well, good
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway Last issue, we were praising one element of the In Living Memory strip having a callback to the Rimmer's Diaries prose piece in that there was a continuity with Rimmer having lost his pen. Cy comes along to piss on that parade by saying, the date in the strip is given as the 14th of Galdoff and Rimmer lost his pen last Wednesday. In Rimmer's Diary, the pen had gone missing on the 30th of March, so even if Galdoff had replaced April as the following month, In Living Memory is set more than a fortnight later... And so the whole last Wednesday thing is either complete bollocks or he's lost another (laughs) pen.
2: Occam's razor suggests that he's just lost another (laughs) pen.
3: That's good detective work. (laughs) See, we live for this level of pedantry.
2: Pendantry.
1: International Debris says, uh, so last issue, they might be giants were thanked in the in the credits and we were wondering why. International Debris points out They Might Be Giants' 1992 album was called Apollo 18 and features a squid on the cover. Coincidence? They also later released an album called Nanobots. Oh. Sounds like something they'd do. International Debris also says the more I think about androids, the more I realise my main issue is that I have absolutely no investment in what's going on whatsoever so it's hard to push past any of the structural issues <laughs> that is a hindrance yeah it's a good it's
2: a to, good good yeah. summary i think we, we we are starting to we're starting to come to terms with what Androids is and why it's
3: not for us though is it it's for androids to watch so androids yeah well, yeah it's yeah, not for yeah. us they have very simple tastes yeah.
1: <laughs> dave is talking about the prose fiction in general he says the content is weak in these pieces and i have a bit of a theory as to why they consistently don't work I think it's because they isolate the characters into solo monologues and in doing so remove the interactions and interplay that makes Red Dwarf work. All of the League characters, despite their various depths and nuances, are at times in danger of falling into easy, broad, stereotypical versions of themselves. Lister is a slob who likes curry, etc. And when you base a solo diary feature like this on just one of them, it ends up being a concentrated blast of that simple stereotype. Mm-hmm. So Cat is vain and self-obsessed, Still, Rimmer is neurotic and pompous, and you get beaten over the head with these characteristics over and over for three pages, which yep. isn't funny. Mm-hmm. What you don't get here is the interaction between these characters, which really brings them to life. The conflict, the contrast, the jokes, the interplay. In these solo diary pieces, there's nothing for them to push back against
3: yeah fair point
2: point. and and this is an issue with some of the lower quality tie-in books for sure it's like
0: yeah yeah,
2: because yeah. it's easier to do that it's easier cool, to riff exactly. on one character trait rather than actually like the hard <clears throat> bit is the interaction because that is what Robin
0: does do <laughs>
1: yeah yeah. Um, yeah okay so finally Flappo Jacko says the Smegazine Rack episodes have been getting consistently longer since number four <laughs> so I'll personally be disappointed if there isn't a three hour long one by issue 15
0: <laughs>
3: fucking hell. No, we don't. Have fucking way. go on, do we? <laughs> <laughs>
2: to be fair, I think I think the mags. Although we went into this one thinking, oh, this is a big one, but it's forty pages, which I think is the exact same number of pages as all the others, or at least very similar.
3: I think it's quality rather than quantity. Yeah, also.
2: yeah. The yeah. text is smaller.
1: It's important. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do make sure you visit the comments page on G&T to see everything that people had to say and lots of memes and gifs that are very funny, as is often the case. But for now, we move on to news from the dwarf. Series
2: mm. six, it's fucking happening. Look at that. Look at this predicted turnaround as well. It's like, yeah. <laughs> filming is almost certainly going to be in February. That should hopefully allow Red Dwarf to reach small screen in the earlier part of nineteen ninety three. It's like when you said the earlier part like the the fact that it was uh, it was originally intended to be around Easter wasn't it that it, that it was broadcast? yeah, it's it was going to be hell. spring
1: and then it got pushed back, but Obviously yeah it would have been a tight did. turnaround yeah yeah like but not that dissimilar to previous yeah, turnarounds
2: but I think in the modern like you think of modern dwarf like six months yeah. is like the minimum isn't it like
1: turnaround <laughs> The promise landed really well, and that was a three month gap right. between. The second half of the recording and broadcast, and that seemed really quick for Red Dwarf standards because we we never even contemplated the idea that Series Ten would be out <laughs> within a few months of it wrapping. Yeah, it was true. always going to be later in the year. Yeah. Eleven was uh, obviously twelve is different because that was <laughs> a year and a half later. Yeah, but yeah. God, they really took the time with that one. Lazy, lazy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. Hold on, <laughs> I have stats. Series two ridiculous turnaround the audience recording started on the 29th of may finished on the 3rd of july and it was on air by the 6th of september so two months between the last recording and the first episode it must going have out. overlapped so yeah so,
2: like maybe, maybe like rough edits were started straight away but then you think yeah as, as involved as rob and doug were in the edits they would have to have finished the recording before they even could put any there yeah.
3: maybe they weren't able to be involved with series two because yeah, series, maybe. Two, yeah, maybe yeah. because was series three was when they started to get a bit more hands on when we were Oh, to...
1: so it's it's Robin Doug's fault that we have these gaps. Um Kel surprise. <laughs> Kel surprise. Series three, last audience date, eleventh of October. First broadcast date, 14th of November. Jesus mm. Christ, Christ. Christ. All right. Okay. Barely a month. So, that's so so, yeah. fair
2: enough on the old <laughs> assuming. I'm assuming th- those gaps got bigger with the move to London. That may- maybe if they're, they're kind of like part of the churn up
1: in Manchester because, you know, they're making things like. And Series 4 is the point where Rob and Doug are, are producers actually producers. And, yeah. Yeah. And therefore have more input and make things harder for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but in yeah. a good way yeah, to yeah. get the best of the day can imagine. Um, right? What's interesting is that they don't assume that it's going to be mm. that Where they film it, it's like, oh, the last two series were there, so it's a good bet, but it's not confirmed.
3: That's true. I mean, it's not always a given, is it? Yeah. yeah. Lots of places. But up
1: until series 11, <laughs> which had to change to Pinewood because Shepparton wasn't available, mm. we now know, of course they were going to shoot it in Shepperton. Where else would they shoot it? The yeah. iconic Shepparton. <laughs> um, Red Dwarf series 1 video is delayed. Yeah. Tick that off your bingo card. (laughs) They're they're assuming it's to coincide with six
2: airing, which (laughs) seems like a fair point. Seems like a fair assumption. I actually don't know how
1: it ends up lining up. Someone should do it. I do. Okay, well, go on then. (laughs) (laughs) So, Series 1 was eventually released on VHS on the 5th of April 1993, which was... Just a couple of weeks after series six finished recording and several months before it aired. Yeah, so it was clear the original intention was clearly to sync them up. Yeah. It's interesting this issue has a lot of news that actually happens. Whereas last issue we went through and half the stories <laughs> were say, Well, that never happened, that never happened, that didn't transpire. But all of these things, yes, there are videos, there are talking books, I love it aired. Yeah. Craig did present on Kiss FM apparently.
0: Yeah.
2: Getting his getting his DJ chops uh, in, earning his DJ stripes. You can find him on a hundred megahertz. <laughs>
1: Paul Jackson's got a new job as director of programming at Carlton, which I seem to remember in the last magazine rack we, we, <laughs> we had having, to look up yeah, and yeah. figure out we what he was short, up to at that yeah, time. We, and we just waited a month.
2: If you, if you want any further broadcast related anxiety, he will probably be worrying about the new TV schedule going on air at the London region from midnight on December the 31st.
0: <laughs>
2: like, isn't <laughs> yeah. that just a that seems like a really unnecessary switch over point. <laughs> like, just add a month. Do it at 6
1: a.m. the next day. Or, like, add,
2: yeah. Add, like, oh, yeah. Technically, the franchise ends at the end of it, but, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Do it a month earlier or a month later. Like, f- fucking don't ruin everyone's Christmas.
1: But it's interesting, though, they say, well, you're tucking into your turkey this Christmas, but turkey's got a capital T. Oh. It's implying that we're tucking into a country. We're eating the country. God damn it, Jane Killick. If it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs>
2: I like that. Whatever happened to Paul Jackson? It's just a funny, it's a funny concept, isn't it? Um, in a dance as old as time itself, DJ got delayed. <laughs> oh no, it's not DJ that got delayed. It's no. the uh, it's the. No. Um, Tre- Trek dwarf. dwarf, Yeah. Okay. Fair enough.
3: It's the fact that they're not they're they're looking into organising another convention, but not quite yeah. sure when to do it. So that's the... <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Following the success of Dimension Jump ninety two, the organisers think, well, maybe we'll come get round to doing another one at some point. That's the dance that's always done <laughs> yeah. It's either that or
2: booking the hotel on the Sunday of uh, for the next one, the, <laughs> yeah. of the previous
1: one. Jeez. And that's all the news. Right. Speaking of things that you can buy for Christmas, if you turn over the page We have Claus, the I'm latest bastard. Mail Order catalogue thingy. Yeah.
3: And some shirt uh, some surf shorts which I've never seen before.
1: <laughs> surf jams, I think you'll find.
3: Yeah. Black surf shorts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and white t shirts. Yeah. Come on. No
2: one, no Red Dwarf fan. I mean, there's only one white T-shirt that any Red Dwarf fan has ever bought, and that's the Scutter concept art one. (laughs) Yeah. We'll discuss this. There is no large Inquisitor black T-shirt. You have to go extra large.
1: Uh, I I don't think I ever had that T-shirt, and it's really good. It is. I've got got the binary black T-shirt.
3: That should be black or white, surely.
1: (laughs) And I have the Smeghead T-shirt, but I think I have a later reprint of it rather than the original and I've got the Better Than Life t-shirt oh, I... but what I really want is the baseball game <laughs> it was first released in 1769 ah <laughs> uh, yes the 1819 uh, cartoon white t-shirt <laughs> that says Red Dwarf 5 but is a picture of Justice of Justice Boots yeah. which was the this magazine issue 2 cover Yeah, Colin
2: Howard artwork they fucked it. Maybe maybe they that is a, that has an error mm. and when you do buy it it will um say four. Or
3: oh, they give you like a red marker to just add the extra Pick it, yeah, <laughs> it in. An iron on <laughs> eye.
1: You could buy everything on this page for ninety three quid.
3: <laughs> You'll be able to get a baseball cap for ninety three quid. <laughs> do you remember how much two pounds fifty?
1: Do you
2: remember when you bought postage pretty postage. much everything from the new red yeah. one? Like, how much was that? A few hundred quid?
1: Yeah, that
2: was before I had kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now, when you have kids, you have to do purchases like that in secret.
1: <laughs> no, well, now that's the average cost of a fucking weekly shop. Yeah. Should go to Aldi. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> How odd that we have the cover of the next
1: issue. Like, that seems organized. Mm. But not anything else about the issue. Yeah. Because yeah. normally, like, spoilers, but there isn't a next time preview anywhere. This is the next time preview, yeah. basically. Yeah. In all the previous magazines, it's here's a list of features that are coming up. And yeah, all we have to go off is this picture of Chris Barry having his nipple rubbed.
3: Yeah. And the Inquisitor asks, Are you worthy of life? Which makes me think that that's going to be the uh-huh. results of the Inquisitor thing from yeah. the previous.
2: Yeah. Or yeah. a comic, because it looks like. That's a frame, like you know, the the design there of the Inquisitor.
3: You should yeah. say it's out on December the thirty first unless Paul Jackson has destroyed the universe. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I guess Where is it for, now, for now?
3: I I don't know. Because <laughs> that's 90s. what Finn
1: Saunders says and that's like a FNAF an R implies that you've made an innuendo. Yeah. Yeah. What's well, it's out on the, December the thirty first, what Chris Barry's cock is out <laughs> on September no, December maybe. the 31st. that's what... The, yeah, I don't know. That must be
3: it. Quite racy.
2: I mean, as as we will find out, that you can't let a cock joke go by without like hanging <laughs> about seven lampshades on it. Well if you're gonna you hang a lampshade on it, it's doing all
0: right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um anyone read Crystal Line by Anne McCaffrey?
1: I lost three years of my life to the heroine. <laughs> yeah, but apparently, Killashandra returns in an epic of unparalleled power.
3: Which I read as Cassandra when I, uh, <laughs> I was not really awake. K- Killashandra does actually ring
2: a bell. I feel, I feel like maybe it was mentioned in a previous issue, or like there was another, or we've seen this advert before maybe. I don't know, it's been so long since the last one.
3: Well, the disambiguation on Wikipedia says Kilisandra is either a uh, town in Ireland or the oh. f- science fiction character from Crystal Singer. So, oh. well enough known that it's.
1: We haven't had this um, this advert before. No. What? This is the first mm. time it appears. Was it mentioned? Yeah, it seems reasonably well known. Yeah, it's got a Wikipedia yeah. entry. The Crystal Singer series. Yeah. This was the third in the series. Okay, so I've heard it somewhere else then. Anne McCaffrey herself, born nineteen twenty-six, died twenty eleven, aged eighty-five. The first woman to win a Hugo Award. Nice. Wow. And and the first woman to win a Nebula Award. Fucking hell. One of the first science fiction books to appear on the New York Times bestseller list. So if we were better podcasters, we'd have heard or of or her better Wait, sci-fi fans just better sci-fi yeah, yeah, fans yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: that's the problem I'm yeah,
3: f-
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm just so fucking blinkered in my views of everything Like it's Red Dwarf or nothing
1: Yeah, oh, I thought this Wikipedia entry for Anne McCaffrey was going a different her school was called Stuart Hall <laughs> <laughs> the last thing you want is a girls boarding school girl. with Stuart Hall <laughs> oh dear so that's Anne McCaffrey too. I'm
3: McCaffrey.
1: I'm McCaffrey.
3: <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> Already forgotten
1: her name. <laughs> <laughs> she? Cares about her? <laughs> God, she's written shit loads of books. Yeah, yeah, a really major player. Yeah. Turns out, and I'm that sure
3: one. we're going to find out from someone in the comments about all the stuff that we <laughs> don't know about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <I> mean, just <laughs> just, like <laughs> we're
1: going to get fucking schooled, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She actually invented the word smeg. <laughs> So that's the adverts. <laughs> All <laughs> the adverts, I think, isn't it? Yeah. No, not quite. But here we come to In Living Memory Part Two. Yarr. It looks the so conclusion good. of the previous one.
2: Yeah, the conclusion of the adventures of Buff Squidwards. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> and can I just point out at this point that the artist of this is Ron Smith and he was famous for drawing Judge Dredd in the 2008 AD yeah. <laughs> and Daily Star oh wow you, yes uh, you heard that correctly wow, well yeah. he had this thing where he never he always used to have an alarm
2: clock <laughs> I mean considering that like, it, look at the, the level of detail is amazing yeah.
1: yeah with that in mind yeah. does does it get shitter as the page goes on it doesn't <laughs> it seems yeah. really oh, I mean you know maybe like down part, yeah. the bigger yeah, this man, this the man bigger pieces like the more detailed panels seem to be towards the top of the page and the bottom ones are more but there, there's no dropping quality whatsoever it's the,
3: it's the thing of it's. it's just that it's just you learn where to put your where yeah, to put your put best effort, work, isn't it? You yeah. know
1: where you... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and obviously he doesn't necessarily have to start at the top of the page and work his way down. No, you work with if the stuff know, that you want to... Yeah, you want, yeah. yeah, exactly. doesn't matter where it falls on the page, he's got the bits that he focuses on and the bits that he...
3: I mean, I 100% thought that that's how comics were made is you do it in order, but obviously you don't do
1: that <laughs> that's would,
2: mental. Yeah, you would, yeah. <laughs> I mean, God knows how you'd actually do it, but yeah. Starbuck's uh, lost some weight around the arse. Yes, it's slim. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, very slim. it's moving very quickly. It looks more cool. like a plausible spaceship, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. Or like, a, you know, maybe a bit more mm. Thunderbirds too. Yeah. Should we recap the plot and then... Yeah. <coughs> <coughs> oh God. Go so, we're picking, I up remember from, a monster. we're picking up from last
3: week. I'll, I'll, I'll let you do it. I'll let you do it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we all know, but
2: let's, you know...
1: <laughs>
3: for, for those who don't know, you,
1: you do it, you do it, on. So, last week, month, they made a big monster because Lister accidentally imagined it. They run off, they escape, they leave the monster behind, but in the middle of the night, Lister wakes up and discovers that uh, Rimmer is missing and has stolen a star And he has gone down to gain access to the memory making solid machine to try and build himself a new body. He does. He makes himself a big superhero with a giant penis. But they run into the big monster that scared them all off last time. The new Rimmer, much to his detriment, has given himself bravery. So he risks his life and gets uh, trapped in the cave. But List rescues Rimmer's light being, so they fuck off back to Red Dwarf and everyone's happy.
2: Doug Naylor gets idea for DNA adaptation in Last Human. <laughs> yeah. The, the waking up and finding a crew member has sneakily gone back to Slip a vessel yeah. uh, in order to become a human.
3: I just think it, it sort of retreads a bit of dimension to it, to be fair. It's like he just basically turns himself into Ace.
2: Yeah, well, mm-hmm. Yeah. another Another. like turning myself into... Or like. <laughs> it's almost he like an open like goal Ace to and, have Ace, yeah. but, but he's conspicuous by his... You know, absence.
3: But this isn't a, an intentional, like, I want to look like Ace. It's like, I remember myself this way. This is...
2: Yeah, this is just the human flawed memory. I
1: suppose it's a little bit the Rimmer experience. <clears throat> yes. The version yes. of Rimmer that Crichton creates from Rimmer's diaries. You're
3: absolutely right. That's exactly what How it is. he wants to be. Yeah. It's that list of being able to play the guitar as a siren.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's how he perceives himself to be,
1: not as he is. Yeah. It's a good concept.
3: Yeah, it's nice.
1: I've just noticed something. What's that? the third page of this, the one where Lister wakes up and realises Rimmer is gone on the shelf next to his bunk is the cat in the hat oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <It's back. laughs> the fuck is going on with the cat in the hat <laughs> being an easter egg in Red Dwarf comic strips different artist <laughs>
3: it's like the Wilhelm
1: scream of the, uh,
3: of the <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so the, like, you think that the, uh, the plot twist is going to be that the cat has pulled his own reflection through the mirror because he handshakes with himself. Yeah. And nothing really happens with that. <laughs> it's like, I, that, I thought that's what so This is a magic
2: about. mirror from the previous one, right? So, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Again, this is like, but it then, suffers. Yeah, like, it never comes up, it'd yeah. be great if you were reading it one after the other, but like when it's um, a couple of months <laughs> gap, then. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, oh, that's our fault. I'm not recording yeah. <laughs> quick enough. <Yeah. laughs> the one thing, when I got to the end of this piece and. Lister says, ah, at least we've still got Rimmer's light bee, so no harm done shows that he's got the light bee. I went back and looked, and there is no point where we see Lister picking up the light bee, so it's a little bit of a plucked out of the arse reveal at the end. There's no bit where, maybe the alarm clock went off before Ron Smith had the chance to draw it in. (laughs) But it would have been nice if you saw him pick up the light bee when they first go and see the new Rimmer and realise that he's a human. That yeah, the light yeah I just on the floor extra to
3: Yeah.
2: When they get to the, the crashed Starbug as well, Crichton says, well, it looks like uh, he got out of the wreckage safely. Like, how do you know? <laughs> That's
0: a good point. <laughs> Which thinking, <laughs> <laughs> the corpses of the all the scutters, scutters are dead.
1: Yeah. Well, they've been ejected from it as well and died on the... Yeah, so like, he,
2: his light bee could have been damaged
1: you know yeah uh, yes the the penis
2: oh jesus
1: if it had been rimmer says see I'm just exactly the same as before oh, yeah. except that I'm now alive oh, yeah. if it had just been holly saying there is one part that's a bit bigger than before yeah. and then that was that's it, it yeah. great joke good tick done next but then the series eightification happens
2: i mean series eight would be ashamed of this screen, <laughs> i think
1: Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, and, and then it comes
2: back again, like like a boomerang penis. The, I, I think it's just that they were desperate to have a double Polaroid reference. Yeah. Also, Holly's really, really like set on everyone knowing that increased <laughs> yes. his
1: dick size. She doesn't shut up about it. Holly. Yeah. No, she's spent years generating his real penis, so she knows it like the back of her hand. <laughs>
2: Traumatized. Like quite uh, and hand scrubbing listers gussets.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like the like. <laughs> Rimmer's now even more buff squid than he was than he was before. Like he's really been heroed up.
1: I like the fact that these comic strips give us visuals like Rimmer karate chopping a big green slimy monster because like you wouldn't see that in any other yeah. form yeah. of Red Dwarf. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, yeah. Transposing these characters into more fantastical comic book situations rather than the realistic ones you, that we have using on, the media the Well, realistic ones that we have on TV. Also, so. seeing like n-
2: normally when we see a crashed Starbug, it's Starbug on on the floor, whereas here we have a properly mangled. Like, yeah. like it's a
1: lot more realistic. And obviously, they're able to have it. In frame with life-sized Crichton, Lister, and Cat, which you wouldn't necessarily you could have done with like force perspective yeah. or with blue screen or whatever at the time, but it would have been tricky. Yeah, yeah. Much like the first part, I would say that this is now special. It's like not in the top tier of comics, but it's also not shit. No, no. it's all right. Um, for the, for that, we should be grateful. Yeah, no, it's very, it's very
2: encouraging for the future. Like, it, you know, it's just. What is this? I mean, waiting for God, or it's, you know, Meltdown, or it's Paolo Universe, you know, like, just, yeah, yeah. It's a good one of them.
3: Technically, this creature is technically man made, but I mean, you could argue this is the only alien in the entire Red Dwarf.
2: Yeah, it's functionally an alien, like many things, yeah.
3: <laughs> but it's man made as much as, like, Lister dreamt him up, but yeah.
2: Yeah, it's no more of a
1: liberty than Robin Dugtuck. <laughs> with yeah. you know aliens that are not aliens. Do you remember this this scenario? The machine, the temple, the caves, everything is a cat world. Yeah, I'd totally forgotten because I've only just remembered that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, is it man-made? Because where did the machine come from? The machine came from cats. Mm. Yeah, but that's not relevant at all. Like it could have been. And there's cat's there's cat, and cat accoutrements
2: like... everywhere. As well, cat accoutrements.
3: Yeah. The only thing that kind of gives the, the sort of cat thing still any credence is the fact that when you see them looking at room when you first see him as like hero style, there is like that kind of temple thing that has a bit of a cat head type feature on yeah. the top. That's the only kind of clue that, that that's any continuity.
1: But like narratively, it doesn't need to be the cat people at all. No. it could be, you know. Yeah. It was invented by humans in the future, and you know it, it just shows anything. that there was a particular hunger for like trying to rediscover the cat people. And it shows that Red Dwarf has always mm. used the vestiges of learning more about the cat people whilst learning nothing Doing about nothing. the cat people. Yeah. <laughs> that is a theme. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it even can be leveled at the Promised Land to an extent that it's it's more about Lister than it is the cats. Mm. Yeah, but at least we do get a lot more of the cat people in their society. I mean, is it survey time? It's survey time. Um, Let's see what our survey says. Our survey says some Some things. Awful, (laughs) awful. (laughs) Awful. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, like, it's obviously, everyone's entitled to their opinion, <laughs> but what the fuck are you talking about? All of you. Like, how are the lions in their commentary, but also the voting public of, like, with the exception of back to reality and quarantine, Series 5 is shit, and Red Dwarf has already peaked at this. Like, Red Dwarf was at its best... At four. ...during Series 3 and 4, yeah. it says.
3: Like, if you were to draw, like, a graph of, like... It's like there's, like, an upward curve... And then, as each series goes on, that curve stretches out so that it starts to mm. encompass more of the early mid stuff. Yeah, you know that kind yeah. of seems to be the thing. It's like the series, you know, it's like there's always this kind of peak in the middle, but that peak is depending on how wide moves, the uh, yeah. yeah how wide the graph is.
2: There seems to be two things that are, are wrong here. <laughs> there's series <laughs> five doesn't have enough jokes; it's not funny enough, which is just patently bollocks. And then there's the old, like the thing that still is still now is like, oh, it used to be about the characters and the interactions and blah blah blah. Now it's monster of the week, you know, sort of shit. And it does seem that like yeah. five is kind of the nexus for both of those criticisms for what they are. And you can so you can see maybe why a certain person would be like, no, I'm not a fan of five because I like more, I like more yeah. gag
1: based stuff. And like, you know, you five. can see that. But that certain person is a fucking idiot. (laughs) Because, like, you can't complain that Red Dwarf 5 is not a (laughs) character-based comedy. Hollow Ship is a personal love story of one character. Inquisitor takes the tropes of the characters and rips them apart and, and turns them on their heads. Terraform is about exploring Rimmer's psyche. Quarantine is a character piece about what happens if you lock them all yeah. in a room. Demons and Angels is a character piece about extrapolating <laughs> the best and worst parts of each character. I mean, I could go and on. Back to Reality <laughs> is a fucking Back to Reality. Yeah. Well, at the very least, Back to Reality
2: gets its props. Um, but yeah. but hollowship just gets shit on. I, to be honest, it, there's an argument to be made that hollowship is the the most wronged episode like, wrong, even more so than Meltdown. Because the, the second worst episode ever. It's
3: because off, it's lovey-dovey, it? that's what it is, and a lot of people are just like, oh, it's soppy, I don't Yeah, like maybe it. that's just
2: like 90s. Yeah.
3: The reason I hated Ship is because it was the first episode on the VHS that we'd see every single fucking night. So we yeah, <laughs> yeah, get yeah, sick put episode the episode v- just yeah. by... But yeah, it's, it's great. It's... There's nothing, wrong. but then again, amongst the pantheon of the other episodes, maybe it doesn't fare as well. And you know, we've got our own surveys that kind of bear that out as well. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting to see the the mindset of like, oh, three and four was kind of the best. Like, like series five is considered the best series now. I wonder if it's, I
2: wonder if are here like yeah. This is, I mean, this is like the, the, these are all the Gen Xers, right? These are all these are not our era of Red Dwarf previous. These are previous.
3: These are, yeah. these are previous. And,
2: and, and I wonder if there just is that, you know, like, oh, no, I was there from the beginning. I prefer the character stuff. I, I, I like, maybe I like the greyness.
1: And, you know. <laughs> well, it's like maybe I like that, that after Series 6 came out, there was a lot of people saying, oh, why isn't it more like Series 5? I
2: mean, if this is the sort of feedback that Rob and Doug were jesting mm. at the time, be like, yeah. well, all right, fine, we'll make. We'll do. We'll go gag we we'll packet full of gags. Yeah, yeah. It really makes sense in this context. And to be fair, they made the best one of those. It's just <laughs> yeah. very different to five. You know?
1: It's interesting the margin by which Back to Reality wins mm-hmm. uh, overall. Like, yeah, nothing ever changed. Well, you say interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
2: the
3: least interesting. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. But it's also
3: one of the most newest episodes. So you could Is the potentially you could mm-hmm. put it down to new thing syndrome, but it isn't. It's more than that. It's so much <laughs> more. Yeah, than
1: that. <laughs> that only that could only apply to bacteriality in quarantine because the rest yeah. of the series is all in the Inquisitor twenty out of thirty, Demons and Angels, Terraform twenty six, Hollow Ship twenty nine, fucking marooned, <laughs> marooned. Yeah, is the fifteenth best episode. Yeah.
2: I mean like that's a decent placing I guess in the context of the number of episodes maybe uh, no no it's not is it no. it's even worse it's than it would be if it was it's
1: much worse <laughs> like we thought it was bad that it dropped to number 4 in the uh Coral Canvas yeah 15th and from the same from the same readership who were like, "Oh, it needs to be it needs to be full of gags and, and it needs chatting. to be about characters, yeah, 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 and yeah. character development." But Mount, but fucking Maroon is only the fifteenth best. The episode. Er,
2: example of Lister and Rimmer in a room talking to each other, and it's fifteenth. <laughs> and you've got Future Echoes and Me Squared like way down. But I'm pretty sure that's just because not enough people had seen them.
1: Well, the methodology was name your top five episodes. Bold, yeah. very bold, actually. Yeah. So unless you've seen all the epi- every single episode it can't possibly be a fair judgement. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean we're better which like is something that service. we only learned. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: we but... we only learned that with our latest survey. <laughs> but yeah, you're unlikely. I think it's still fair to assume that anyone voting
2: in a survey has watched all of Red Dwarf. But, you know, that, that's by the by. I mean, maybe the results are tainted a bit by the fact that a lot of the people voting are fucking idiots. Because we have Leah Smart, the ironically named Leah Smart of Cleveland, uh, voted for Stasis Leak because she said it was the longest Red Dwarf episode. And, and aside from the method, methodology being stupid, I've checked. And by frames, the end is the longest Red Dwarf episode in this, in this bubble. And Actually. Stasis Leak is the second longest episode. So we've got twenty-two thousand uh, four hundred eighty-three frames on the Mega Drive. I think I think that might be half the frames you actually have in the episode. And Stacy Sleek is twenty-two thousand four hundred eleven. Overall, the longest episode is the Promised Land. There's a fact for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> shortly followed by Ticket to Ride, Duck Soup, and a Weirdly. So why did so least smart vote for the
0: Promised
3: Land? Then fucking idiot!
1: Unbelievable. Uh, is they're only smart by the standards of Cleveland. <laughs> Hello Weirdly. <laughs> <laughs> Only the good is the longest
2: half hour episode. Really? Yep. Longer than the end. Yep by um oh, 12 frames. Nope, sorry, 17 frames. I'm an idiot. So basically exactly the same. <laughs> and and to be fair <laughs> also like I oh this is a point. I do cho- there is a variance here because I chopped out some like black, black frames. So Oh, it's
3: not even accurate oh, data. This is bullshit.
1: Oh, I take it all back. The end is definitely the longest though. The end is definitely the longest. Yeah. Yep. And Richard Richard Pete of Eastbourne said that the comic strip "Mutinous beshoots was brilliantly funny and made me laugh more than the whole of Red Dwarf. 5. It wasn't. It wasn't a terrible comic strip, but it was not as funny as Back to Reality, in my opinion.
2: Hollow Ship has some has some amazing woofers. Like the probably the most yeah, the most maligned episode of five. If we just like say, Oh, the thing with five yeah, is yeah. It didn't have any comedy. You've got Quick list, yeah, yeah, Rimmer. Yeah, Rimmer, Rimmer, super smart Rimmer. You've got Lister to Red Dwarf. Yeah. Most of Rimmer's interactions on Holoship. Japanese meal. Japanese meal, yeah. Geronimo. Fucking idiots, fucking nineties stupid idiots. <laughs> <laughs> but then all right, okay. How about this? I don't know. You might have mentioned this already, but sixth parallel universe. <laughs>
1: That's so interesting, isn't it? Is it the tongue-tied effect? Is it? Maybe.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, quarantines, Mister Flibble. Backwards is backwards. Dimension jumps in his room. polymorph's a polymorph, and yeah, it's like there's like a big thing in each of those episodes. Qu- yeah. like really, kind of like you know, Whitehall is talking toasted It's the it's the big yeah, the big yeah, set piece the big within mascots. them episodes. That's yeah. what it is. I, yeah.
1: know, that's... I think there's definitely a case mm. to be had there, yeah. The most memorable iconic bits. Yeah, DNA are is human. are gonna to leap to the Quig top of your memory when, memorable uh, guest star. when you don't have every single episode at your disposal at all times and you've not watched them all to death. It's the big set pieces that you're gonna remember.
3: Yeah, speaking of nineties idiots, um, Richard Johnson of haven't, who voted the episode, who voted, who voted um, Dimension Jump. Uh, fourth. But a glimpse of Hattie Herring's legs can't be bad. <laughs> That's why I voted for Dimension Jump because of Cause, legs. Cause I don't have sex with He said with that Hatty the
1: Heritage. story... He said, he said that the episode was not the best, but it's fourth place because of Hattie Herring. Yeah.
3: yeah. He's a fucking shallow cunt.
1: Richard Johnson has haven't got a very enlightened view of women.
3: I, <laughs> For a name of Dick Johnson, I'm not surprised. I've just noticed that
2: the... Uh, <laughs> that the, the ranking box has got the title of Red Dwarf Premier League for
1: 1992 <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so confidence and paranoia holoship and balance of power are both are all relegated to I, the I, I would division argue one. that a
2: division with 30 teams would probably have a bottom five relegation <laughs> to yeah. me squared me squared is no it's not it's just missing out on relegation <laughs> me <laughs> squared and future Echo future echoes is top 10 any day of the week regardless of what area you're from if you've seen if it, you've if seen it. Right. and that's the
3: thing you uh, yeah you are i you are, I wonder how how our results would be if we'd have asked people just name their top 5 and then we did the metric based on that
2: oh do you know what yeah, fuck um, me that is not a bad idea we just force right that from the from the results we had and only do it with uh, the first 30 episodes so. as <laughs> well
3: i know it's that david Hughes of Wolverhampton's reappeared Right. It's
1: got a beautiful story, Lord. <laughs> what was the other one I noticed? Oh, yeah. There was a Mr. N. Weedon of West Ealing who wrote in. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's where I live. So if you're listening, Mr. N. Weedon, uh, let's go for a pipe. Yeah,
3: pop over for a copper. <laughs> There's also someone who lives in uh, Rochdale, in Vicky Eves, Captain, so you can. Uh, yeah, someone yeah, to the,
2: nice. the woods as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saw the other day. You, do you know Yan Vogels? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and another of the correspondents is Steve Rogers of Beckles. Ah, uh, that is right. Was later the fan club Thank chairman. Thank you. I wondered if that was. Um, and then
2: um, uh, Captain America. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm assuming they do another one of these after six, do they? Or do is they the magazine? Dead,
3: the we'll find then? out. Well, well, my brain's thinking the magazine doesn't exist by the fact that the series Yeah.
1: Maybe. Maybe. Let's find out it's been several years to
3: <laughs> body swap is uh, two words
1: in this thing. Uh, yes. Nine. So the entire thing is no.
3: There's only
2: one episode in series three that has multiple words and that's the last day. That's how you remember. The last day fucking everything up. And that is why it is in eighteenth. 18th. Eighteenth. 18th <laughs> <place. laughs> but also like look look at look at all these like joint. Like Demons and Angels and Crichton, yeah. Like that, that's arbitrary that Demons and Angels is above Crichton. Maybe it's alphabetical, but like this is what happens when you only ask for top five.
1: It's like yeah. you're lucky that I think it is alphabetical. It is alphabetical. Oh no, Queegan Bodyswap is the only one that fucks that up. Yeah.
2: It's weird, isn't it?
1: But yeah. Because, like, what if what
2: if no one put Balance of Power or Hollow Ship in their top five? A perfectly plausible situation. Like, yeah. you don't have your worst episode. You don't have the big headline. This is the worst episode of Red Dwarf, you know? Yeah, it's, obviously,
3: Waiting for God, Confidence of Paranoia, Balance of Power, Me Squared, Future Records, all bottom because they're in Series 1 and no one's fucking seen them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. It's well, but, I mean, to be fair. It, yeah.
2: Waiting for God Balance of Power are probably in their natural position. I wouldn't agree with where they are, particularly or necessarily, but.
3: Future Echoes is definitely misplaced.
1: <laughs> Future Echoes and me squared on the other yeah. hand. Yeah, criminally so, misplaced. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, magazine from 31 years yes. ago. You're wrong. Jeez, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Next. Double, double spread. Amiga. Yeah. Let's. Go through each and every one of the shops mentioned again. No, <coughs> <laughs> uh, we had this last time, yeah. So we can skip past this Amiga okay. advert. Yeah.
2: How I wonder. I wonder how like the money spent on this advert. I wonder like how far away from the last bit of money Commodore had that bit of money was. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, so, like a couple of million after this. This is the last you know, the last hurrah almost, isn't it?
1: Is it is this what killed him? This is what killed
2: him. I mean Comm- Commodore fucked off like mid 90s, I think.
1: It's okay, don't worry, I've spent the last of our marketing budget In on the Red magazine issue ten. <laughs> 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 right. So, next This week's big interview is Howard Good. God, another yes, sexy man. man. Oh
3: yes. I mean, it doesn't really tell you anything that we like obviously after the fact we we we've yeah. heard a lot and now i mean this would have been great at the time there's a lot of there's yeah. a lot
2: of nitty gritty about like the process like uh, one one thing yeah. i noted is that he's a very generous interviewee obviously it's edited and uh, you know and red dwarf magazine must have said more than just the the curt questions <laughs> but like you can imagine him like enthusiastically like explaining all yep. this mm-hmm. it's just a, a, another interview where they must have come out of it saying wow that was that was a good one <laughs> there's some good shit here <laughs>
3: And it's obvious that he just absolutely loves his job. Yeah. It's it's really, you know, I imagine he gets frustrated with the constraints sometimes, but that's what some of the best work comes out
1: with. He seems really um, down to earth about, you know, how lucky he is to have this job and how, you know, he says it was luck. It's obviously, it wasn't luck, it was skill. Doing a good job, yeah. 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 He said it was his lucky break that he was at university with Rowan Atkinson and Richard Curtis and so when they went off to be incredibly successful, they brought him with them. Obviously, he wouldn't have survived in this industry if he wasn't equally as talented as them in a a different field. Imagine the
2: sheer luck of being at just some random university and it just so happened to produce (laughs) some BBC comedian. I mean, yeah, that's the other aspect. (laughs) That's
1: the other aspect of the fact that it was Oxford. (laughs)
2: Oxford's a complete dump. Um he calls Blackadder Adder. <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, Adder. Yeah. Sometimes the yeah, Adder, I just, yeah,
3: I think it's just like saw like not when Yeah, well like, that's and, the thing, well not, not is
2: like lot, if someone says not, you know, well, you usually know what they're talking about, but like yeah, I've never heard anyone say Adder.
1: Yeah. also he's only recently been actually doing this full time. Previously, he was a freelance and he took other jobs yeah. in normal day jobs yeah. to pay the bills while he was doing music. Even back then, when, like,
2: I guess more money in TV, still a struggle <laughs> for freelance uh, yeah. artists.
3: Yeah. But he does seem incredibly young, even at this stage. Like, yeah. yeah. He just, he's always looked like a young person. <laughs> he's never looked old.
2: Now he's got to be early 20s here, I guess. No, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe a bit older. Nah, it must be a bit older a than tits. the cast. Who is it? A- yeah. yeah, well, he was
1: at uni in the early 80s or late 70s, even. Right, right. He must be in his 30s, I'd say. As, right. Yeah, Oh, no, an, an old, done man at this point. Oh, yeah. Fucking. <laughs> fucking on the scrappy. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that his first telework was Gob on You. <laughs> I, said, with the, yeah, do, do,
3: I mean, you, you'll know more about that than I will, but what's. Is that Well, like I, I don't have the was...
2: context for a lot of these. I didn't realise Gob on You was no. the Series 1, the first song they did, particularly.
1: The problem with Not the Nine O'Clock News is that it's never been repeated or released in full. Mm. No. And so the only <clears throat> bits of Not the Nine O'Clock News that have been seen anywhere, on um, home video, on TV, on digital, anywhere, are... Uh, six half-hour compilations that take sketches yep. from across the series and, and jam them together. And that's what I found. I didn't realise Gob on You was that early, and I didn't realise that Howard was necessarily involved in it. He says he didn't write it, mm. but he basically came in and arranged it and, and, and choreographed it to an extent and helped them to, to figure out how to do
2: it. But, yeah. All four series of Knot is on archive.org. I've got them somewhere. But I've, oh, yeah, I've never, I've never, I've only ever seen series three in that context. I think I found it on UK Nova back in the day, so I haven't actually yeah. sat down and felt like,
1: right, I'm watching this, so I'll actually get some context. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to when I do. I remember watching the only full episodes I've watched have been at yours and Seb's flat when you downloaded it all off UK Nova.
2: <laughs> yeah, good point. That would have been series three, and it's like it, it's almost like the revelation you have when you first watch, because like people of our age. I think one of the last Python things you watch is an actual episode of Flying Circus, you know. Like Yeah. Not not, not clips or anything. And you watch a full episode yeah. and you're like, Holy fuck, it all stitches together. It actually makes sense. You know, it it's worthy to watch it in this context and not exactly the same that you're so used to really hard cuts to to thing, and maybe mm. some bridging but like not really. <laughs> and or like cutting out like c- cutting um the toilet sketch, the Atkinson toilet sketch, I'll have another toilet, can't have too much of a good thing. They cut off the punchline of that sketch on the Best Of, where <laughs> yes. he just gets a massive toilet, and just slams it on top of the model. Ah, no, no, <laughs> not <one ever> <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a fucking... <laughs> that, That's a tension. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> I have a
3: question. There's a bit of a weird non sequitur in this, in this interview where he mentions. So, in rehearsals, Rowan said, Well, I know this guy does music, why didn't you come and help us do it? So, I really just went in to help them play the instruments and arrange it so it was easy to, a lot to do. Then, the week that followed was the week that Red and Little Buzz left ITN. What's that got to do with anything?
2: <laughs> Is it just like, Oh, I remember I it being some,
3: I assume there's some mention of ITN earlier, maybe, in the interview that they cut out.
1: I think it's that him and Richard Curtis wrote a song for not not the Nine O'Clock News about Reginald, whatever however you pronounce his surname, <laughs> right.
3: Reginald Bosanquet.
1: Yeah, I seem to remember that that's a thing, and Google will tell me Reginald Bosanquet, not the Nine O'Clock News. Yeah, so yeah, the context of that is the song. next week we wrote a song about Reginald Bosanquet. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: think banquet, but think Snoop Dogg. Think banquet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Serving and <casserole>, shepherd's pie. <laughs> One thing I get
2: from this interview is that I think, out of all of the people that would have suffered from Robin Doug's chaotic working style, is him. <laughs> like yeah. sometimes he's talking about twenty-four-hour turnarounds for episodes.
3: I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be you know man standing in this box, but like audio and music are always the um, definitely the industries that shat on when it comes to productions because they are the last. Yeah. they're yeah. an afterthought for most, but most of the point. Some some like lastest bit of post production, the right? They're just yeah. they just thought about really after the fact. They're just like, oh yeah, we need to put music on this. It's like fifty percent of your experience, but you know it, you know should have. You, you just have to do it when it's finished and it's just handed over to you and you kind of just have to make the best of it. So yeah, that's uh, I'll get up in the box. Now. I
2: guess that's just because so much of music is is scoring to a finished product, right? It's
3: yeah, I mean, you timing. can work to a, a working edit, but you will have to constantly coerce it, and that costs money. And I understand mm. that, but like mm. obviously, with Rob and Doug, that's kind of turned up to eleven when you're kind of dealing with yeah. late scripts and late edits and changes last minute and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, it seems like it, even even then, Red Dwarf was a bit of a beast, Especially and you can imagine in the, in the, in the why. Exactly, and then obviously, you know. Mm. <laughs> It's it, it's inferred that Howard's good spat his dummy out when it came to series eight because you know he really wasn't involved with that at all. So.
2: Well, I, I think he was probably mistreated a little bit with seven just because he he probably would have had the exact same situation as the model unit, uh, the, the, the the effects department. Yeah, um, and they made lo- made a load of stuff and then yeah, everything changed. And then they had yeah. to yeah. put in library music and he was probably like, "All right, then if you're going to do that, I've you know been doing twenty four hour turnaround times for you for fifteen years now."
3: I would say with Series 7, slightly different because it was used in the symphony orchestra. So that might be a factor. It could just mm. be the fact that he just mm. wanted to go that broad and they couldn't afford it. That could yeah. be also a factor, maybe.
1: But luckily, they learned all the lessons from this and never again was Howard Goodall's music thrown out and replaced by Lowry Music, leading to him refusing to have anything to do with the show. Fucking ridiculous.
2: All that stuff is out there somewhere, isn't it? All his all yeah. uh, Series 12 stuff.
3: Yep. It was interesting that Ed was the like idea of doing the um the hammond organ stuff. I always thought that it was yeah Maybe it might have been just like because I think Ed got quite inv- obviously was more involved with it
2: yeah the creative input of of ed bar like obviously because directing is is creative, but the the almost the like his input earlier on in the process as well is like yeah mm, I, I think it's I mean, obviously easy he was to more not involved notice, with Robin yeah. Doug
1: at the early days. So. Yeah,
2: yeah, like just little ideas, yeah. and you know, then either they go away and write it in or shaping yeah. the material. And we've talked
1: about that with Mal Bibby as well, mm, didn't we? Yeah, the, um, yeah, series three rediscovery. There was a core group of people that the genius of peak era red dwarf, yeah. <laughs> and again, that peak may vary depending when on these fucking idiots Bibi, don't realize they're in the peak, yeah, yeah. But it's just a combination of lots of talented people mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. all at the same time. One of the things I found the most interesting about this is that Howard shits on Tongue Yeah, He does. <laughs> and I agree with him. To be fair,
3: that, that's also in the, the Settling the Score series six Yeah, there, Because he's, I think it sort of started off as a simple idea of like a Diana Ross kind of number. And then it kind yeah. of evolved into this sort of funky thing. There was like change of it making to, to sort of suit Danny's dancing style. I was going to say it sounds like, like, it like it got Danny'd.
2: I think that's what happened. I think yeah. Danny yeah, Johntrul was involved with the, Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: <laughs> definitely. And I think that's and he said he said it, obviously then he went into his own version again anyway, more mm. based on that version than it would have been the original. But I
1: think he's right that every subsequent iteration gets further away from being a comedy song. Yeah, some someone yep. made that point uh,
2: recently on a podcast.
1: Yes, <laughs> if you listen to the original "Tongue Tied" from "Son of Cliche," yeah,
2: yeah, it's maybe it's not a, a good song, but yeah, it is. That is the comedy yeah. concept of it, and then it's lost after that, Com- almost completely, apart from one, like one
3: bit. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it got the notoriety, but for different reasons. It got it because of the scope of it rather than the joke of it.
1: Yeah. Anything else, on
2: Sir Howard? I, how on a, on a scale of one to ten, Danny? How Impressed are you with his his tech stack, or is uh, is all this a he's bit too old?
3: it's quite an old setup. Obviously, I mean, I know I know that he uses a Roland and the Yamaha because somewhere I've got a um, a Roland um, MIDI uh, which uses exactly the same sound set. So, uh-huh. it's, uh, right, uh, yeah, it's definitely I can definitely tell where he's got stuff from. I feel like everyone <laughs> yeah, it's, would it's, have, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it could have been just like the standard thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but he's obviously got like the, the video timecode synchronizer, which is quite a you know that I imagine that was a pain in the ass to say. Yeah,
2: it. it's amazing though to think that's what.
3: Yeah, saying. but he's working yeah. quite quite a modern way of working actually, because he's working like with MIDI as like a, a basic you know sketch, and mm. then it'll go into the studio and record it proper, which is you know tis the well way at the it.
2: time music was like one of the most technologically advanced art forms. Yeah. Obviously, visual effects is probably. Ahead of that, but like the, the computerization of music was was like pioneering, wasn't it? <laughs> literally, mm. yeah, decimalized it. The, the decimalized MIDI, the
3: MIDI it. standard hasn't changed in 30 years, no, it, yeah. it, it, it's
2: been extended, but it hasn't changed. Um, I'm sorry to uh, say, okay. Danny, but it isn't it? No, no, it's not 40 years, not yet. Okay, I was getting ahead of myself, literally. I'm upset, Danny, today.
3: Eh? Let's, not, Let's not
2: do that. It's, th- it's only 30, it's only 30. You know, Howard Goodall's 89 now. <laughs> 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 It's always nice to hear from Howard Goodall. Like he yeah. loves to talk, share knowledge. If you ever get an opportunity to rewatch some of his T V shows, do that because they're just yeah, delightful. Yeah. They're just so nice. Yeah.
3: There's a really good one on the Beatles. Really yeah, that was um of... yeah, he did Cole Porter Twentieth it was... Century Greats, wasn't it? Twentieth
2: Century Greats, that mm. was it, yeah. Uh,
3: how and Music the Works. Whole, That's the one how music works is a yeah. fucking amazing watch. If you can I'm pretty sure they're probably all on YouTube. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, they're, never, they're not going to really repeat but they're definitely worth a watch cause, and his book's really good as well.
1: and this article is a proto settling the score basically, mm-hmm. yeah. and settling the score in written form S- same, yeah. same camera angle of him sat at his keyboard
2: whereas he sat at his <laughs> piano in settling the score <laughs> what I
3: want more than anything is to hear the original backwards music cues I want to hear them <laughs> I, hear the sound like, I might be a mess but I want to hear them yeah. speaking of a mess
1: <laughs> 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 we now move on <laughs> Oh, God. To our fourth comic strip of the yeah episode. yeah
2: it 's definitely a comic isn 't it it 's a, it's a comic yeah. magazine with uh, interspersed with it 's like Playboy. I, I, I buy some magazines for the articles <laughs> not the um, weird comic strips
1: <laughs> well, so this is red dwarf USA the comic strip, and as we 've already alluded to, it is not a adaptation of the American pilot. it is a satirical account of what an American version of Red Dwarf could be like. Satire. Sound the satire's Claxon. With the Fat Cat studio execs talking about how the original show was dumb because it was set three million years in the future and everyone was dead and why wasn't there a French windows and a sofa, <laughs> effectively, but with more American tropes. And so they present what is ultimately an unfair representation of the process because Red Dwarf USA didn't do any of these things. It's just, it's railing against the concept of an American adaptation of Red Dwarf without taking into account what the American adaptation of Red Dwarf was actually like. It's like the the cliche of like what, you
2: know, I guess again this is a bit of a 90s thing but this kind of like this snooty attitude towards Americans and American TV like dialed up like Lister's obese. That is an American thing. Rimmer is the funds, hey, for hey, some hey. reason. Um, but it's just—it just, it just seems—it seems mean-spirited.
1: But also, yeah, yeah like, it's, it it,
2: it's inaccurate. It's like what, like what were you? What point are you trying to make here? The
1: point is, imagine if the Americans went and did a version of Red Dwarf. Wouldn't that be yeah. terrible? Which it would, but for different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you don't need to do this because they've already done. Yeah. It. So,
2: okay. Like, I mean, far be it for me to like. Pick apart the plot of this, but <laughs> Rimmer. No one goes into stasis. List does not going to go stasis. Rimmer averts the disaster by hugging some radiation.
3: <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, and that somehow loses his, his his ability to walk. Yeah, temporarily, yes. but no,
1: but not his life. <laughs> but not his life. <laughs> but all of the crew were in but all yeah. The, the yeah why in some sort of cryogenic facility. So somehow. While Rimmer was containing... Oh, no, hang on. No, it doesn't make any sense. But uh, if you look at the panel where Rimmer is hugging the radiation, he's in the cryogen chamber. So all the crew are already in some sort of stasis cryogenic situation, apart from Lister and Rimmer and Kachansky and Lister's children. It's weird. It is. And also, this is implied to have happened some years previously because Lister in the flashback has a toddler around his on his shoulders and that becomes the sexy cat teenager. Yes. Oh, yes, right, she does
3: okay, Yeah. And say so if Robert Llewellyn never mentioned the fact that like a little baby crying was a cute idea, you just watch this and realise how fucking terrifying it is fighting They've
1: been they've been pitching the idea of baby Crichton, haven't they? Let's get the one bit of praise out before we move on to the obvious <laughs> sticking point. Yeah, <laughs> I do like the scooter riding a bike. Oh, the paper scooter is <laughs> good. Yeah, paper boy scooter delivering the news. That's
3: good. Yeah, that's good. You like that.
2: That's just that's just what so next. stupid Americans would do, though, wouldn't it?
1: Oh, a scutter on a bike. <laughs> got a paperboy throwing. Uh, it would be a hell of a technical achievement to get a scutter on a bike. bike.
3: Yeah. Sorry, just, I've just I've got a deviation in my head. There's a there's a shot of someone throwing a newspaper against the door and going past, and then there's someone throwing milk out the door. I can't remember what hell, that is. I something, assume, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <no. laughs> I, I don't know what that is from, but it's like from like Top. I'll tell you, it might be like hot shots or something ah yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah one yeah. of them yeah <laughs> another stupid american thing yeah stupid American thing. like, <laughs> yeah. like they weren't a thousand times yeah. better than we were at that point with, with the parody comedy
2: so kachansky
3: what's what's going on <laughs> why why you got that head
0: didn't
3: is realize it, it was a, a is it, a, I thought it was it's a it's a bouffant hairdo, but just like my brain just thinks, oh, she's a conehead. Why? <laughs> well, that's her hair. It's a Buffon hairdo that's yeah, exactly it's like bouffant, yeah, like a like a you know, Helen Shapiro. But the so. problem is, it's
1: exactly the same color and shade as her skin, so it looks like she has it's kind of, but it is a hair. You yeah, can follow. see the line. You can tell in some. I of them. thought she yeah.
2: be like because I'm just I, I guess I'm just expecting random madness. I mean, like he has a <laughs> robot baby. Yeah. For some reason, why wouldn't, yeah. have, why wouldn't he have an alien? Wolf? Why, why wouldn't
1: like every single depiction of Kachansky in the comics so far has looked really yeah. weird, yeah, for different reasons.
3: There's a lot to uh, not to not. The out hair's out.
2: too smooth. No, that's a head. That's yeah. a head. That is meant to be a head. Like we'll throw this open to the to the <laughs> the group. Let's do a vote. But this is the radiation poisoning. For yeah, the well, I, that's yeah. what I thought. Is it something to do with yeah. radiation? Is it? Like what?
3: When she hugs him, she also burns him with the uh, the pan of food that she's cooking. I was gonna she say yeah. Like wrapping him <laughs> up. When the buggers are late late home, <laughs> give them boiling oil. Yeah, fucking hell. There's a radio really dated jerk here as well, duckums. In that a type of yeah. oil.
1: Engine oil. Speaking of dated comedy references. <laughs> They say, oh, get, the, get a load of this. The next character was originally a guy. And then they see the cat. Are you kidding me? A guy? Some sort of fag or what? Mm. I, I actually had to, like... Because it's a low-quality scan. I was
2: like, is that is that the word I
3: think it is? Yeah,
2: that's the, no, that's the, word, that they, that's the word they're using. <laughs> I think... It's a comment on is it American is, is that, It's yeah,
1: an interesting yeah, yeah. one. Because it's the character that's using that slur. Yeah. It's not the comic itself. It's saying that that there is unfortunately a line that can be drawn between this comic strip and our own work. Well, Mining in caps is at least in that the studio twats scene from the movie. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Is basically this joke. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I totally, yeah, of course it is. Although
2: that what we were taking off was a different studio twats sketch uh, from Lean Herring. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes combined with things that doug had said in interviews and mm-hmm. in his duke of manchester letter about the kind of things that the americans would say to him but yeah there's a bit at the end where it's like we can't call it red dwarf because oh, yeah. <laughs> we gotta give it a new title and we basically did that exact joke <laughs> but i don't think i'd read this at the time so <laughs> well it was it was more like
2: oh, political correctness well it, i mean it wasn't that but yeah. it's like we need to think of a politically correct red dwarf yeah, yeah.
3: It's sort of taking the piss out of the whole jumping the shark kind of thing. That it is quite mean spirited. Well, that's
2: it. I think I think that's what it is. It is a bit mean. It's xenophobic
3: it seems... and homophobic in the same sentence.
1: <laughs> uh, no, I mind you, being xenophobic towards Americans. Yeah, it's true. It's like the French. Well the
3: French don't mind you being xenophobic to Americans. The <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: French, they mind everything. Um. Yeah, I think so. The so art, if, the art's not bad. Yeah, <laughs> I, technically I mean, it's good, but it's like there's some like some pretty grotesque. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so if Rumors meant to be the Fonz, I guess is Cat, daughter meant to be like, is it I'm Hillary exactly. from um, Fresh Prince?
1: <laughs> Fresh Prince. The daughter
2: is called Hillary. Had right? Fresh
1: Prince started by that point? Yeah, did Hillary. Yeah. No,
2: Hillary didn't look like that though. Um, yeah, I'm. No, I don't know. Yeah, whatever
1: trope she. Well, the trope is um, like uh, Roseanne's daughter, basically, because they uh, reference. That's right. Um, casting like them. she's in f- fear yeah. of being replaced mid-series by another teen actor. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, is is the generic teenage daughter that could easily be replaced by another <laughs> teenage daughter?
3: I never realised how fourth wall breaking because I read. I was literally reading an article the other day about Roseanne about how they actually like signposted that. Like, she, she mm. her character in the show references the fact that someone was replaced and she didn't like it. I think it was Bewitched. And she was like, oh, why, like did, why did they change Darren? <laughs> I like the other Darren. And then, like, John Goodman just kind of looks at her like, well, that's weird. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there's a, there's a chain in that case, then, because Game On, Series 2 of Game On, where they replaced one of the actors, Ben, someone previously... agrophobic lad. agrophobic yeah. Scare of fighting Yeah, it was Neil Stook from Series 2 onwards. First episode of series two has a scene where they're sat watching telly, and they say, "Oh, Roseanne, huh, I wonder who's playing the daughter this week." Don't you hate it when sitcoms change actors <laughs> halfway through? <laughs> Good. So now someone needs to make a sitcom, <laughs> recast one game. of the leads, and reference Game On, and then see if we can keep this going. Should we move on?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's- An alien turns up. Bimmer stands up miraculously. Grows a mustache apparently. In the panel wave, he, sh- he shoots the. Uh... <laughs> looks like Ed By. He looks like looks like Magnum PI. He oh, looks yeah, like yeah. he looks like Magnum Ed By. <laughs> Magnum Ed <By. laughs>
3: yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan. I, I was I was I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was incredibly disappointed when I found it wasn't actually Red Dwarf USA. Yeah yeah. I was yeah. like, I, I thought after the, like when we saw the, um, I don't know, was it obvious in the last episode when it said that it was going to be Red Dwarf USA? I just assumed that they were like, oh well, we've been covering Red Dwarf USA, let's show you what the plot was going to be like, and I'm pretty sure that's how it was kind of.
1: Mm. It it was built it was built as Red Dwarf USA, the comic strip version, yeah. which is like technically not inaccurate, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah
3: I, I was yeah, I wasn't happy in the fact that it took like you know like five pages away from something it could have been anything else. Well, yeah, it could have been. It's, in, um, it's
1: interesting, Jake Bullet. <laughs> I don't
3: know about have had more Jake Bullet. To be fair, yeah.
1: I don't know. It's interesting because obviously I knew what this was, so I don't have that same disappointment. It's just not very good. Can you remember having that disappointment <laughs> when you first read it? Uh, no. You probably suppose, first read suppose, this while still a
2: fact, right? Mm-hmm. So, the bottom of the second to last page, that panel is that a rubber plant behind the executives? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I have just googled rubber plant, and it like it looks similar enough. Who knows? It
1: could be a reference. One of the American execs looks like Noel Edmonds and some of them, <laughs> and like Steven Spielberg and others. I was
3: going to say the, the the other executive looks like. um do you
1: <laughs> Shall we turn Let's the page and not side. look at this anymore? Yeah. <laughs> Auction.
3: Yes, I am glad about this. This is dying.
1: this is lovely, but again obviously inflation and everything over the years, this is we're talking over 30 years ago, of course prices are going to be different but Still. it seems like some people got some real fucking bargains yes. here even by the standards of the day oh, yeah. Yeah. this is where James Bull started his collection <laughs> yeah
3: what's interesting is it seems that even like they haven't, like sci-fi fandom wasn't really understood very well at this time because obviously mm. Doctor Who, Blake 7 and Red Dwarf were all in the same auction and yeah. they were way overbooked and had no idea. It was like, oh, we knew we were going to be this popular, blah, 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 blah. Like, just like have no idea
1: that <laughs> selling costumes and props from sci fi series. Like, how big <laughs> yeah. it
3: got that by that point. Well, That's
1: the cool. collectible markets in general
2: right now are just insane. Like, to the point where I think there's, there's some weird scam going on behind the scenes, especially with the video games. Um, yeah,
3: it's engineered. It's engineered. It right?
2: is, yeah. I mean, it's all fake. Yeah value in it. This is actually reasonable. Like quite in spare head, four hundred and forty quid. Like that.
1: if you did that in a dimension jump auction today, that would be that a grand, yeah, yeah. probably,
2: <laughs> and a regretful jazz. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> the cat priest's robe and hat went for sixty pounds. <laughs> that was it was within the guide price but at the lower end of the guide price so then like rimmer's uniform shirts and trousers plus two jackets 22 pounds
2: i mean that would be good for replicas in fact that would be amazing for for all of those things or just normal clothes like you just buy shirts trousers and two jackets <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: The aforementioned James Bull did enter the costume competition at DJ one year before he was in the fan club w- wearing screen-used costumes. Yeah. I think
3: everything pretty much went above the asking price apart from that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it was like four items and. Right there. Yeah. Rimmer's uniform. Rimmer's actual uniform do you plus think everyone, two jackets. Do you think they
2: auctioned that like at lunchtime
3: and everyone was like over at McDonald's? <laughs> I love that. It's like Rimmer's uniform shirts and trousers plus two jackets twenty-two pounds. A similar lot. £110. No specifics, no, no differences, <laughs> yes. just like yeah. shitloads of money for something else.
1: <laughs> this is what I can't get is that Rimmer's uniform goes for £22. Todd Hunter's uniform goes for £140. <laughs> Hollister's uniform goes for £280. Like they sound about right. Yeah. But why is Rimmer's uniform, Chris Barry, the one that actual Chris Barry is actually sweating is in? Is this a mistake? Is this a typo? Yeah. Is it two hundred?
3: <laughs> I think it's either. I think it's two hundred and twenty.
1: I'm just reading through. <laughs>
3: ah, see, look, look, Rimmer's uniform fetched over two hundred pounds. Right. Oh, okay. Fair enough. It, yes! Ignore everything that I just said. Detectives. Yes. <laughs> it must be two hundred
1: and twenty. Yeah, there
3: you go. That makes sense. I feel better about
1: that. <laughs> okay. Fair enough.
3: A red dwarf
2: costume.
1: Even so, that's le- still less than Captain Hollister's, yeah. though. But mind you, later on in the auction, things tend to go from higher prices. I think in an auction because. People don't want to spend big too early, and so they save yeah, up, I mean, and then by the end of like, I want to buy yeah, something. The later things phone. are, yeah. yeah.
3: I mean, fucking hell, Miranda the Mermaid costume for two hundred and sixty pounds. I mean, fucking hell. Can you imagine that the thing, state that
2: thing's in now? Would be, well uh, I yeah
3: that,
1: that that is dust. Won't exist anymore. That would be like hoggle.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh god.
1: <laughs> Link in the show. <laughs> <laughs> if <laughs> you <laughs> want to ruin your childhood, <laughs> be brave enough.
3: Also, some slight nineties sexism going on. <laughs> Saying, after the boy's yeah. scooter went for a 110 pin, the auctioneer wondered if the girl would be more expensive. They usually are. La, 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 la.
1: <laughs> To a great deal of laughter. I think it's, oh, what's annoying you is right. <laughs> I hate women. <laughs> I would happily spend £120 right now on a baby scooter. <laughs>
3: yeah. Give me 50 quid, I'll print you one. <laughs> I mean, it's not
1: going to rot, is it? So, already it's...
3: Yeah, it's great. The little baby ones as well.
2: Interesting, there was no pieces of Red Dwarf, considering it had just been blown up.
1: Yeah, Peter Tyler had scooped yeah. them all up in his dustpan. These are all
3: from the last. Is it all from the first three series? So it seems oh, okay. I think really.
1: so. Yeah, it's it's basically they're having a, a crying, clear out, yeah. so they'd they'd want to they'd want to keep hold of the more recent stuff for now, in case they need it in series yeah, six okay. and etc.
3: Interesting thing about Tottenham's uniform: not many people have seen series one, so what the fuck will they know? Yeah, <laughs> who the fuck's Todd Hunter? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Eleven women's sleeveless uniform jumpsuits. Eleven, and they were for fifty-five pounds.
2: I think my favourite lot here is the original Crichton costume one by David Ross because that's like, that's pretty mm. iconic,
1: isn't it? As modelled by Ken Dodd. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> i mean, holding the incredibly frightening crying head yeah in, yeah, yeah. In it's it, it's thing. very similar to the um tissue yeah holder. Tissue yeah, yeah. oh my fucking god i forgot about that <laughs> yeah
2: not <laughs> now you haven't dude
3: that was a japanese merchandise wasn't it it was yeah, yeah. oh my god oh that's insane i totally forgot about but that. you
2: i mean you just can't help but have just like this dead-eyed stare unless you've Unless mm. you've got a real human face behind it, it's like the admittedly excellent costumes that the Czech lads have. Yeah. The Crichton, yeah. and it looks good, but it's not glued to his face, so he just looks like it, the eyes are sunken. Yeah, just yeah. like yeah, mm, yeah. mouth again.
1: Or like the <laughs> it looks like the um, the prop that explodes in uh, Beyond a Joke <laughs> that you see for that
2: Crichton head actually looks like he's just been told that a kilogram of steel and a kilogram of feathers weighs the same. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> it's a pretty great, pretty great auction. I mean, is, I mean, it's
3: all bangers, isn't it?
1: And the whole lot, all the red dwarf stuff was four thousand five hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah. Oh,
3: weird. Um, there was also once a lot withdrawn, withdrawn due to miscalculation as to numbers available. I don't really know what that was. Yeah. Well, I
1: mean, if, well, yeah. I see. Th- I would assume. Uh, item 598, two grey jackets with logo shirt and trousers. Item 599, similar lot, similar lot, similar lot, similar lot. They thought they had seven sets of trousers <laughs> oh! with ja- logos yeah. and jackets, but they only had six.
3: Ah, seven socks, one shirt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. You could have got Yvonne Magruder's trousers for 75 uh-huh. quid. Crazy. Lovely.
3: Yeah, it's great. It's it's such a cool little thing to... to Little snapshot. Any,
1: yeah, I was just about to say that exact phrase, it's a little snapshot of what the Red Dwarf world was like. Before there was conventions that had auctions twice over the course of a weekend of Red Dwarf stuff, which would raise thousands for charity. Yeah.
3: It seemed like there was a dealer there as well. Like there was a guy there, like who mm. was just like being quite sensible, apart from everyone. Else. Probably quite annoyed about everyone else in the room, to be honest with you. Who um, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <it> was <laughs> all these fucking spuds? i trying to make money. Yeah, up. exactly. Yeah, Doing not doing it properly, and not putting on your finger to your nose like a normalist person. I reckon one of them was like a like a dealer for like an American client. On like an That, that man
1: went on to form the prop store. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know
2: it's a you know it's a fun packed newsweek when it's there's some things at the prop store.
0: <laughs>
1: right. Yes. Next let's just flip to the back cover, which is surely a, a big picture of something. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> what is this? Very odd.
3: In the uh, in the pre record we were kinda like we had to check with Ian we was like, Is this is like if we got a page missing or is yeah, it's, no, the it's the back critical. page so I was <laughs> like Okay, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What did you say, Capsi? You said it was the, the the magazine equivalent of um Officer Rimmer.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just ends
3: rather abruptly.
2: In a magazine that has a big factual like in you in universe factual article about mechanoids and about yeah. robots, they mention here that Crichton is series three slash four thousand, which is sort of a reference to I think what's shown on screen in Last Day. And the last day, yeah. yeah. Uh, But they don't mention Series 3.
1: Slight disconnect between this and the other piece, which. This, the Ref Dwarf isn't credited, but in my head, uh, they were all Howarth and Lions. And Everybody Needs Good Androids was uh, just Lions as well. So it's the same. Same person. At least. (laughs) Maybe Howarth went in and added the Series 3 bit.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because Crichton wasn't. Series 4000 didn't exist, did it, in Series 3? Did it? Yeah. No, that
1: came in the very next episode yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in Camille, the series 4000. It's not
2: funny they had they called him a series 3 in series 3 and a series 4000 in series 4. Yeah, he's now a series 13. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh Intel CPU's naming. <laughs>
1: Although there was that one period where he was a back to earth thousand <laughs> model, <laughs> <laughs> he's never been a 9000 model. <laughs> The series uh, X mechanoids had really horrific melty faces.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> series X thousand. <X-thousand. laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about mm. Rift Dwarf. Uh, they're all in future issues. If we come across anything that's like a- abundantly wrong or very obviously shit, then we'll point well, it out. But how many more very... Rift
2: Dwarfs have we got for main cast? Cause I feel like they're probably wanting to just finish this and get rid of it. <laughs>
1: it's the back. Uh, tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah, it mean it is and maybe it's because it, this has the um the androids piece in it. It feels like a bit of repetition so maybe they'll like oh we've got this we haven't fitted it anywhere let's stick it on the back cover. I mean it it gives you more bang for your buck. Mm. Like having a written feature yep. on the back cover rather than Just a, a picture. Yeah. Not that there's anything, there's nothing wrong with having a picture on the back cover, but it, you know, technically we're getting an extra page worth of written content. Yeah. So ref dwarfs. So far we've had Lister, Cat, Rimmer, and Crayton. So, oh, yeah. so there is at least one more. If and then maybe the ships. Main characters
2: well. right, if they do that, maybe they
3: will actually. Yeah. Mm, maybe there's two ships. I think. But what I would like you to do, Ian, if you can, is give us, be the next issue... Uh, te- yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us that, because... I'll uh, be the we, next we time. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because there isn't a next no, time there preview so in it'd this it'd be nice episode. to know what
3: we're, what we're going to get,
1: at least in in, in in some sort of brief... Uh, um, well, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> is there a quiz? Um, no. Good. So if I was the next time preview... The things that I would say are brand new comic, okay. an interview with Paul Jackson, Ooh-hoo-hoo. reviews, and Jake Bullet continues, okay. okay, is what I'd say. And there's there's plenty of other things, but if that's what... That's re- headlines. Yeah. I was pondering why there isn't a proper next time issue. And it's slightly complicated by the fact that they have the cover already <laughs> of yeah. the issue... In there, but like I'm pondering as to whether it's maybe something to do with Christmas is coming up and they are working a little bit in advance and so they haven't started work on issue 11 yet. Whereas normally by the time they send the previous one to print, they've started work on it, but that's just get pure guesswork.
2: Mm. But they've got the cover ready because it's a photo, not a piece of art, yeah. So, yeah, that might be it, okay. That's the trade trade off. Uh, We haven't got the headlines, but let's give them the cover and yeah, Yeah. give them
1: something. But did you notice also that there was something else that is not in this issue? What
3: the Inquisitor thing?
1: Well, there's that. (laughs) Yeah, in issue ten, the one we've just read, there was no prose fiction. Oh yeah, Ah, for the first time. Yeah, there's more factual pieces and more. Interviewy bit the decision, and, yeah, and more comic. Yeah. I
2: yeah. mean, if we if we're having prose fiction replaced with stuff like everyone loves good androids, then we're winning, I think.
3: But less Red Dwarf USA, please. Yeah. <laughs> if it's going to be like that, uh, like
2: we kind of. I feel like we're kind of done with USA now. It's all about series six. Like friend, friendship ended with Red Dwarf USA. Now series six is my best friend.
3: <laughs> I never realised that the Red Dwarf USA thing was meant to be like a four-part, like. Thing that's spread over a couple of like we had the interview with Rob about it, the mm. Rob and Doug about it, yeah. the review about like the review of it themselves and the,
1: the, uh, yeah the yeah he says our, our four part series concludes <laughs> but yeah I don't know whether how much of that was intended yeah, in, in advance to be a series like, and how it just <laughs> fell out <laughs> like bits were ready in time for this issue but not this issue. Yeah. But yeah, that is about it for this edition of this magazine rack. Don't forget to send us your letters about the issues that we've just read or the podcast that you've just listened to. And you can leave your comments over at ww.ganymed.tv or you can tweet us.
3: Twitter handle is Ganymede Titan. Okay. So this should give you an idea of the kind of
1: person we're working oh, okay. with. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. You you can post us on X. You fucking fucking is in the post. People often ask us, "Are we on um, a certain social network?" And we say, "Yes, VFX." <laughs> but until we're next back on the rack, thank you so much for listening, and as always, goodbye everybody, goodbye
0: Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye.
2: Is Maplin's no longer with us?
1: No, um, I think it.
2: I think it went. I think it, yeah, yeah. It was, it's one of those things. It used to be really good, and then it got overpriced and uh, you, let me you just And it. then, yeah.
1: Maplin is still going
2: online. Ah, right, yeah. So it's been it's, bought it's, by someone, and they're just yeah, using the name as a, brand. As a
1: zombie brand. Yeah. It kind of defeats the like Maplin's is the place that you go into because you're in the middle of digitizing some. Aston Villa VHSs, and realise you need a cable. Type thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For example,
3: <laughs> or your dear Benson Phillips, and you're trying to set up a uh, mixing desk, yeah. a DJ, yeah. and we need to <laughs> get hold of Maplins who kept their stores open for 15 minutes after they'd closed. Did order so give them that cable. So, <laughs> for example, as a hypothetical. Thanks, Maplins, Nottingham. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I remember on the day of our first live series 11 Dorfcast I think it was going into Maplin's and just buying all the things because I, I I wanted to figure out what the best way was and I arguably should have done it before the day of broadcast I wanted to figure out the best way of having people in the room be um, able to hear the, the people on Skype yeah. yeah and so I bought a load of stuff that's still <laughs> never been used and is in a cupboard <laughs> in Maplin's bags <laughs> I'm sure it's got some use. If you ever wanted to string together about twenty pairs of headphones into one three and a half mil jack, I've got I've got that sorted. (laughs)